Get ready for two hours of hard-hitting football talk. Straight from their jocks about the jocks. It's Football on the Know with Jim and Joe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Football on the Know. I am Jim McPhee, and alongside of me is Mr. Joe DeCapita. What's going on, Autos? Welcome back for another oh, edition man. of Football on the Know show and another segment on the upcoming NFL draft. Yes, we are going to be talking about the defensive side and the, all the defensive prospects and my top tens for each position. Absolutely. We're super excited. We can't wait to get it rolling. You know, I'm so excited. I can't even speak properly, Joe. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but because uh, it's only a week away now. It is. It's this. A it's, week away. Everyone's letting us know that, you know, it's less than, you know, it's single digits away now. So the, the heat's picking up. You know, everybody's doing their mock drafts and everything. Yep. The, the the rumors are popping out here. Other players are being vocal about a lot of things. And it's um, where and it's it's a time of the off season where every team has an opportunity. It's like playing the lottery. To make their team better or not so good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, what really the the big major um, headline I think that's really captured everybody recently has been today. The, yeah, ex- exactly. Today now too is now Debo Samuel's after the the talk of it when him he was removing everything about you know 49ers from his social media and stuff, linking mm-hmm. him to the team. Um, and we've seen other players do this. Kyler Murray has done that, too, with the Cardinals and stuff. Uh, that For shows, a brief moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, showing them now it looks like, you know, this is a way to say that I am unhappy with what's going on with the organization. I right. want another contract here. Time to look at me because I'm basically saying, hey, I'm open for any, anybody now. Uh, and we've seen this with a few other wide receivers out here now, but the news comes out today. Right after yesterday, we even heard some news about um, the, 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 the talk of an, an extension was right there, just about mm-hmm. ready to get the deal done. And Debo comes in and ho- puts it to a halt. And now the news comes in that he demands a trade. And now he wanted that extension and a new deal. But apparently, like we talked about last night in our prep, it's not with the 49ers. No, and, and there's a reason why is because uh, he went on his Twitter account. He even expressed what, the reason why he no longer wants to be utilized as a hybrid wide receiver anymore. It's that simple. He doesn't want to be a running back and a wide receiver at the same time. He wants to be just a wide receiver and nothing more. So he wants to display his talents at the, at the wide receiver position and solely wide receiver. And going forward, that's going to pay him bigger money, too. Because if you see all these new contracts that just got agreed to, like Tyreek Hill, when he got traded, he signed a mega deal, you know, in, in terms of, of compens- uh, in terms of salary. And then you look at what Devontae Adams has got after his trade, and he redoes his deal. And his, his, he, his deal is really, really high up there. He was like, I think he was just eclipsing, just barely eclipsed DeAndre Hopkins' contract, and then Tyreek Hill came in really quickly after that uh, and ended up signing a bigger deal than that. So you're seeing, and you see this every single year. This isn't like a surprise where like we're seeing, oh, for the first time we're seeing these mega contracts. No, if you're that good, if you're an elite player or if you're in that conversation of top five, you're going to command bigger money. Everybody knows that. So Debo, in his eyes, he wanted to get a new deal done with San Francisco. There's no doubt about it. But in in the conversations that were had at the table, uh, the little bit of back and forth that they did have with his between his agent and the in the organization, something 
didn't really feel right to Debo. He he. It sounded like when talks were going, talks were going extremely well, by the way. And then all of a sudden, Debo had a change of mind and said, listen, I don't really... You know what? Now that you bring it up, I don't want to be your hybrid, you know, weapon X that can do running back and wide receiver anymore. I want to be just the wide receiver. I want to be on the outside or in the slot, and I want to make a difference that way. No longer want to put punishment, more punishment onto my body when when I'm as a when I'm a running back in your system. I now just want to play wide receiver, and that right there is really where he just put the kibosh on everything and said, "Nope, hold up, forget." Forget the contract talks. I don't want to. I don't want to work out a deal because in this offense, I know that's how I'm going to be utilized no matter what. So I need a change in environment. I need to go somewhere where they're going to use me as just a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It, it, everybody, when they talk about these extensions and, and contracts, they want to get that longevity that they can. They want to get that money that they can. Again, he's playing on his last year. They want to make sure they stay healthy. So this is why these guys even don't even bother showing up. Because, again, what am I going to do if I play this role, do mm-hmm. double duty here, and I do get injured before we work out a deal now? Now I'm screwed, and now I know I'm not going to get something. And coming off of a year that was his best year yet, and, yeah. and that's why he's trying to get that value that he can uh, so he can do what he can, you know, to to work forward for him to get the best potential for him the best payout. And that's what everybody's looking for. Um, Tom, Tom Leiter's in the house with us tonight. Joe. What's going on, Tom? You know, t- uh, for a minute there, I thought Tom was ghosting us, Joe. You know, nah, he was, been, he's been busy. He's I, been I know, busy. I know, but and since the the uh, the <laughs> Russell Wilson trade, I've been dying to talk to 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 Tom Leiter to get his uh, situation and, and, and his idea about this whole thing. And uh, and now here he is, and there you know he brings it up himself, so it's good. Here he goes. So what does Seattle do with the Russell Wilson pick from Denver? It. Uh, better be good, he says. Now, now he's talking about the pick. All right, and what should they do with it? Well, Seattle has a lot to do. You know, they need to do, uh, do a lot of building. I think there. Some people are saying even. Uh, I, I hear you. Life so, is busy thing, but a lot yeah. of people even think that that for some reason I'm hearing this among analysts that that Seattle's ready just to retool and make a, a run for the playoffs this year, and I don't really see that. Um, no, no, they're yeah, not. I don't get it. Yeah, uh, I don't. Because here's the thing. I don't know what water they're if, drinking. Bro. If we if we go back to last season, look at what they what they had last season and subtract Bobby Wagner, subtract some play like su- su- subtract <laughs> uh, their left tackle, yeah, Dwayne Brown. Yeah. He's not there. They're the Seattle organization has decided after, as soon as they decided to trade Russell Wilson, they made the decision like, OK, we're hitting the reset button. And we're going to rebuild. And now we're just rebuilding now. They have a couple of really nice wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And that's pretty much it besides uh, Chris Carson on offense. Like their offensive line still needs to be fixed. It's still not there yet. Uh, Chris Carson is in and out of the lineup with injuries. You know, you know, and now you don't have a quarterback to boot. And then you go on the defense. No Bobby Wagner. The 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 absolute spinal cord of that defense is missing he's no longer there so yes they have some young talent that's up and coming that that that's going to try to fill those shoes which it's not going to happen this year but maybe with further development down the road then they'll be better but they are no way shape or fashion ready to make a run this coming season if we if we start the season next week there's no way 
They have way too many positions of need on this roster. And with the Broncos pick that they got at number nine overall in the first round, because they have all these needs, now, yeah, they could go a, a bunch of different ways, right? You know, you, you think of of, of, um, of the tackle from Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in uh, Devin Leal. And you think about, you know, Ekema Kwanu possibly being there. But I don't see it happening with, when you got teams like the Giants with two picks. you got the Jets. Who knows what they're going to do? The Texans are another team in rebuild mode. Uh, the Lions still trying to add whatever pieces they can. And then Jaguars are kind of like a wild card at number one overall. What are they going to do? Uh, they could go edge rusher. They could go tackle. But when you get down to that ninth pick, you don't have a quarterback, and this is not the draft to take a, a quarterback at number nine. So that being said, and because they have all these needs, I say you trade out of that pick if you can. There's no guarantee. The There's no guarantee. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee you're going to be able to because you got to mm-hmm. have a trade partner. Mm-hmm. If someone's willing to come up and they want to get somebody that they didn't think they'd have an opportunity to get, then maybe that you make that happen and boom, you, you bolster picks and then you further build your roster. You know, what I mean, with multiple picks down the road. So uh, that's probably what I would do. Uh, but at the same point in time, you know. And at that at that top ten spot, like you could get a special player if you want to just sit there and take one. Uh, so I mean, that's what I think too. You you want to look at what you really need and, and the structure. You want to build from the inside out. I think here because everybody knows uh, Tom Leiter says Locke is as good as any QB in the draft, um, and he goes wait a year and, well, and build. I think he can get you through what you need to get through this year, and you build uh, on your infrastructure, everything in between. Something that they didn't do with Russell Wilson. And then potentially, again, maybe draft a quarterback next year or something can work out. We've seen off seasons that go crazy. We, we saw, saw different. Uh, uh, we saw Matthew Stafford a year ago traded from the, the Lions a dead end route here where he's actually spoofing them on, on what, AT&T commercials. And he went to Los Angeles and wins a, a Super Bowl just like that. Uh, so we've seen teams make moves for big uh, veteran quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Do they go that route? I don't know about that because, again, if Who you're trying to get? rebuild, you probably just want to draft this guy and make something happen here. And we've seen them do that with Russell Wilson and when they had the uh, Legion of Boom and stuff. But, but, that, but that's the thing. It starts is, from the ground up, I think, is what they have to do. Yeah, but that goes along to just rebuilding. You know what I mean? you got to you right. gotta just like, take all those picks go, I think what he's looking at is rebuild. Like, do they do quarterback. I don't think they go quarterback. quarterback no, and, and to what Tom Leiter saying, Locke is as good as any quarterback. Right now, maybe, maybe. But potential-wise, not even close. Like, there's a couple of guys like Desmond mm-hmm. Ritter mm-hmm. And, and Malik Willis mm-hmm. that I think are going to be way better than Locke after their development goes through. So, um and and then even don't even you know turn a blind eye to, to Kenny Pickett like he the only problem with Pickett is he the he's the he's game ready like week one if you wanted to start one of these quarterbacks it is Pickett but the problem like for me the one thing that concerns me is his his, his hands and and the fact that I don't know what's going to happen to him in inclement weather and we saw at the Senior Bowl how much he struggled with inclement weather and when that goes into the NFL where you got to be dialed in every single week, and if if you whether you're playing in the rain, in the snow, sleet, whatever it is, and if he's going to struggle in those games, that's going to really, really hurt your team. So he might be the most pro ready, the most gifted quarterback coming out right now, but 
he he's not the guy that that you can just say, okay, we're going to take him and he's going to lead us to the promised land right away because that that hand issue is is crazy because he always wears gloves and and that's going to be concerning in that inclement weather. If if an indoor team drafts him, at least half half the year he'll be playing indoors, mm-hmm. at least, uh, and that's probably going to be a saving grace if that happens. But um, other than that. Yeah, Locke is as good. You could make that argument that he's as good as the quarterbacks coming out right now, but they haven't even stepped foot right, in the, right. they haven't even mm-hmm. stepped foot in the weight room. Mm-hmm. They haven't even stepped foot in the film room. They haven't even been coached up by whatever team's going to take them. So until they get further developed, I I, I think that there's going to be a few uh, a, at least two quarterbacks, maybe three out of this draft that will probably end up being better than Locke. Uh, you know, cuz we already know what Locke is. Yes, he's athletic. Yes, he can throw the ball, but sometimes he makes bad decisions. Sometimes he's a little inconsistent with his throws, and and, and that, that's what gets him into trouble. So um, let's see what happens with Seattle going into this draft, what they decide to go for. Uh, I think at number nine, I mean, they could, they could go, uh, uh, you know, one of these big-time premier guards or maybe even tackle like Charles Cross. If Charles Cross is there, they could try to start rebuilding the offensive line to help, you know, support, you know, lock. But I mean, I just think that they have so many needs at this point in time and they are definitely rebuilding that Mm -hmm. they are not going to be competitive for the next two to three years at least. And it could be more than that, depending on how they draft and whether they hit or not on their picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to see that three years from now. But um, but again, it's it's rebuild time and let let's see what happens with that, all that. Yeah, he goes. Uh, Pete Carroll's all about the defense. It's not about this year in the NFC West. It's two years down the road for Seattle. And yeah, I mean the the NFC West, uh, you know, isn't looking good for them right now. So again, it's time to retool. I think, and then down the road, we'll see what happens. It's just what it is. But and Pete Carroll, I think, will be gone by that moment. That's, oh, absolutely. That's I look at it. I I I, th- I honestly, I think he. Sh- I think it should be a clean slate all, all together. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think Schneider's doing a good job in the GM office. I think he's done a, a piss poor job uh, with, with Seattle and how he's handled everything from mm-hmm. when they had the Legion of Boom intact to then the the slow, you know, the the slow deterioration of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like nothing's getting any better. So when you had Russell Wilson, okay, you drafted DK Metcalf, great, you got him another weapon. That's that's going to help him. Mm-hmm. But then, where's the offensive line help? Where's the running back uh, by committee approach? Where right. Where is that getting better? Where's the tight ends that you keep trying to, uh, you know, rehash veteran tight ends and, right. and you don't even utilize them? So it's like it's wasted um, finances, wasted picks at times. Mm-hmm. Listen, they drafted LJ Collier in the first round, hoping to be their specialized pass rusher. And he's a bust right now. Mm-hmm. He, he's flat out just not that good. So draft picks decision-making in the front office, like it, it's all got to start with a clean slate in my mind, and I think Pete Carroll has to go too, bringing a, uh, a, a younger, fresher, you know, kind of a visionary of, of a coach and, and see where this team could end up uh, with, with, you know, some rebuilding going on. All right, on. we've got Galore in the house with us tonight. He says Debo to his Cowboys. Like, What's what up, Galore? Yeah, like, Cowboys fans have got to be salivating I, about this, right? I, I think, but, but, but here's the thing. Let, let's be honest now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jerry Jones loves making splashes. We all know that. And 
you could you could say okay well you know we we but you have cd lamb you just re-signed uh, michael gallup so he's not going nowhere mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i just i don't see the the cowboys being able to give up a because this is what's gonna it, it's gonna take a crazy amount of of draft pick compensation mm-hmm. just to get him think about the draft that uh, the, the the trade that just transpired with tyree kill and the dolphins the dolphins gave up a crap ton of draft picks just to get yeah. Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. The Raiders only gave up a first and a second rounder for this year to get Devonte Adams. Now, yeah, everyone's going to say, "Oh, but he's a little older." And uh, yeah, but he's the best receiver in the in the league. They only gave up a first and a second. Mm-hmm. Tyree Kill, they gave up boatload of picks. So, what's it going to take to get Debo Samuel? I think it's going to take something comparable to Tyree Kill. I really do, and and I don't know if there's too many teams right now willing to part ways with valuable draft picks to obtain Debo Samuel. I think the asking price might have to come down a little bit, but it it, it can get sorted out, you know, between you know teams, especially with the draft coming up. Not it's not like the trade will happen now. What I could see is maybe in the draft. At some point, teams will start talking. They'll start calling San Fran. What are you asking for him? Can we do this? Can we do that? And then uh, maybe there, there'll be a, a team that comes to you know, an agreement, and, and then we see Debo getting shipped during the draft. However, the most likely thing I think is going to happen is that he might get moved after the draft when there's a team that may be like, well, we're still short on receiver. We definitely need a baller. We have the cap room. We have the we have next year's draft picks that we could utilize. Let's go and get Debo. That's what you could probably see. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a few out there. Cody Raptor is in the house with us tonight. All right, uh, Tom Leiter says, "Is Tyreek Hill that good uh, without Mahomes?" And uh, we shall see. Now no. we don't know, so no. we shall see with all that. But uh, as far as uh, Debo Samuel's thing too. Uh, I think the one interesting thing here, when you hear about this, I want to demand a trade and all this stuff like this. This guy usually even has something on the back end, like a no trade clause that he can kind of work with them and do this sort of thing. I think the thing to watch with this whole thing is Debo Samuels doesn't have that luxury in this. So if they wanted to trade him, they could take whatever deal is the best for them and ship him wherever. So yeah. he might be happy that he's not going to be able to be that dual threat type of guy and and maybe, you know, have that chance of hurting himself. But he could se- they could send them him to the abyss of like the New York Jets, you know, because you saw the, the, the Jets. They were part of that Tyreek Hill conversation, too. Once he, they heard you heard that he was available, the Jets were part of this conversation right there with the Miami Dolphins. They were willing to put something down. So a second and two thirds. As, as far as they try and do something like this, uh, I think they're in the running for it. But uh, if you're talking about Tyree Kill type of uh, value, I don't really see that for Debo Samuels. I'm sorry because within his career, this is his best season he's had yet, and he's trying to tell you that that's not what he wants to do. So then he goes back to that wide receiver threat, and I guess teams want to still be able to use him as a receiver and a running back if they want to. But then you're just so. asking for a, a uh, disgruntled uh, wide receiver right now. No, I think everybody's going to see Debo Samuel as a wide receiver. Like, because Kyle Shanahan utilized him as a running back and a wide receiver, and, it yeah, it showed off a different aspect of his talents. But when he goes to a different offense, it's a different offense. They're right. not, they're not no, going to change there. it to make him a running but back. But that's what made him, I think, get his real value this year. 
You know what I'm saying? This year you could say, yeah, because he was utilized as both, but he was good before this. Right, like, as this a wide receiver. Was, this was only his first and only Pro Bowl year, though. Yeah, so. Well, the, I yeah, mean, there's so plenty. Highlight, and that's why he's riding but on there's, him. But if you're talking about Tyreek Hill like type of skill, I've seen what Tyreek Hill can do. But there's plenty of other players that have only, oh, they only made two Pro Bowls their whole, mm-hmm. whole 10-year career. But that doesn't mean that they're any less of a player. He's a really good player. He's definitely worth getting paid, getting a raise and getting paid. But he's not worth top five money. Mm-hmm. Tyree Kill isn't worth top five money. I, if, I you really my, if you really want my, if you want my two yeah. cents, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think well. one, the Dolphins gave up way too much compensation for him, and two, he's paid way too much. Now, listen, Tyree Kill is not one. Listen, if you say, "Oh, who's the best receiver in the NFL?" No one says Tyree Kill. Everyone says he's one of the best, but no one says he is. And I haven't heard anybody try to make that argument yet. So until that happens. Let's let's like put it into perspective. So if, if a guy like Tyree Kill is able to get that kind of trade and get that kind of money, you could make the argument that Debo could be that explosive for another team. He could be as just a receiver because he is great. He has phenomenal hands and he's very physical and he runs great routes. He can do a lot of things. He can even block for you down the football field. So um I think Debo's worth getting a raise. I just question uh, Debo and his agent versus what their expectations for a new contract would be versus what he actually should get or will get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you're, and to your point when you were saying about he could be traded anywhere. Yes, he could be traded anywhere. He has no say because he's still on that rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Rookie deals, you don't have a no-trade mm-hmm. clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Debo... Wants to be traded. He apparently he doesn't care where he gets traded. He just wants out and wants to be utilized as a receiver and then get that new big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jim Radley's in the house with us. Tonight. What's going on, Jim? YouTube, by the way, if you guys haven't hit yet, subscribe to us on YouTube. Football on the No Show. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Let you uh, whenever we go live, let you know that. Uh, Tom Leiter says he doesn't want to risk injury before the next big contract. And yeah, I mean that's what all these guys are looking for. They want. That's why they won't step foot on the field until they get something done here. They, and they, it, they want that insurance. It's absolutely an insurance thing, but here's the thing: is it's his last year of the deal, right? That that's really so, what mean, it's about. It, yeah. It's about having security and long term, uh, having a long term contract and knowing where you're going to play for the next four or five years. So, for Debo, they wanted to get a deal originally done, and then he started to think. He probably just started thinking to himself, like, "Hey, how much longer could I last in this type of offense?" Mm-hmm. Not very long because mm-hmm. I man, I was really sore last year. I, I mean, I took a punishment, a lot of hard hits when I was running the ball. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, maybe a couple of big hits like in the open field. So he started to think about that and then and came to re- the realization like, hey, you know what? Wait a second. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to just play wide receiver. That's why I got drafted from South Carolina. That's what I want to go back to. I do not want to be utilized as a running back and a receiver and give me a new deal. So right. I mean, you saw that's that where we're at that, right now. In that playoff game. I mean, he hurt himself, and he ended up yeah. forcing himself back into that game just to try, try to help them out and played his body on the line, and you saw that he was in pain. And, and, and after that game, he was crushed. It crushed him that he could not get that win there. And, um, and what's, this is the, the, the back up what I'm kind of talking about. If you look at his first, his rookie season, he had 802 yards with three touchdowns, 
And then in the, his second year, he ended up only uh, playing in seven in seven games and had 391 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's everything. Mm-hmm. And then now last season, it jumps all the way up to f- uh, 1,405 yards and six touchdowns. So he doubles that from his rookie year. And then another eight touchdowns rushing and 300 uh, yards rushing too. Mm-hmm. So the 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 what you were getting the his rookie year and then he got injured the second season. Mm-hmm. That's why he's banking on that last season. But why I think traders or people that want to deal with this whole thing, they're not going to give up a whole lot for this because again, you, it went off of one flash in a pan season, which I'm saying not that he's not a good re- wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's just we're not looking to invest something big like what you're kind of saying, I guess, in the sense they're not looking to sell the whole mother load here to get them. No. And, and and to that for if you're looking at stats, stats don't tell the whole story either, because his rookie year, what did he have around him? Just him. That offense was just him. It was nobody else. And, and, and then they're decent receivers. But name was crazy. Dante Pettis. Not that no, good. Was, was Brandon Ayuk yet there yet? Though, still? No, he no. wasn't drafted yet. I'm trying to think who else they had there. But Brandon Ayuk got there. drafted two um, years ago. Yeah, which he would have been there. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been it. He didn't have him his rookie year, though, no. so maybe it was last year. All right. I don't think so, because last year, because never mind. All right, here we go. Uh, Tom Leiter says, uh, there's always a job at Johnstone Supply after it's said and done. There you go. Nice. Oh, good thing you uh, won't uh, need to go there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to our sponsors there, Joe. Nice. Way to go, Tom Leiter, on that one. Uh, but yeah. as far as Debo goes, like, okay, yeah, everyone can point, oh, one year was was phenomenal. Yeah, but it's also what, his third year. No, I Wide receivers there, take longer to develop. So his rookie year, yeah, you can't expect too much, but I think he did a hell of a job his rookie year. Oh, 803 yeah. yards and uh, not have that many pieces around, around him in that mm-hmm. offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. And they're a heavy running offense. So, I mean – if we're going to nitpick on him, the only year you can nitpick on him is last year. Right. You know, or not last year, the year before so that. Let me, let me just throw this out here this way then, just so we can kind of nip it together. If you're a team out there, mm-hmm. don't even say what team, whatever, but if you're the GM, you want to try and make this trade him, what are you offering the 49ers? What do you think is a fair trade offers? So for Debo, because of what, because of what he can do for you, especially I would utilize him more in the slot. Uh, as a slot wide receiver, and he would freaking decimate everybody. But um, I think you, I think you don't, I, I don't think he's worth a first rounder. I think you, you do like a second, third, and a fifth for a guy like Debo Samuel. I think that would be a fair trade for a guy like Debo to get him. Because here's the thing: is you're getting him on the cheap, but now you got to work out a deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can get him done. You can get him traded for, and you got him. But now you guys got to work on a long term term extension, and you got to make make him, uh, you know, give him some kind of a, a good decent raise because you, he's going to be there for a while. Right, young player in his prime. That's that's kind of what I what I could see for him getting right now. Is it second or third? Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. And what well, what team? I'm asking this to everybody out there too. What do you guys do? Let us know in the comments. Uh, what do you think his worth is, and what team do you think? Uh, is a good fit for him. I know everybody's team would probably want a guy like this, but you got to look at the guys that will pay himself because that's why I even saw the Jets. Jets were looking right into that Tyreek Hill situation. Yep. They have the money, and, you know, they even have some, some draft capital they could use too. You know, they could make this thing work. Um, but, uh, uh, by the way, uh, 
it is uh 420 today everybody out there so it is smoke weed every day so happy 420 y'all happy 420 to everybody out there and happy hump day that's what mike tackett says in the house with us tonight he says uh debo was third in production last year but damn it and then my screen just changed joe you got it i'll look it up right here nope joe you, you gotta want? read up mike tackett's mike tackett's one happy hump day guys here we go debo Sorry. was third in production last year but is the 78th highest paid wide receiver mm. uh, in his first year of production. What do you say here? Uh, I don't know. You made some kind of a different word yeah. I've never seen before. Oh, worth. It's supposed to be worth. Worth uh, top money mm. per se. I definitely think he needs pay to be paid, though. Right. Just maybe not Devontae Adams money. No, it's definitely not going to be Devontae Adams money. It's definitely not going to be Tyree Kill money. Uh, and that's the thing is. Everybody and Tyree Kill shouldn't have got what he got, to be honest. And, and you know, even for Tyree Kill now moving on to a different quarterback, now he's gonna now he's gonna have you know Tua to be throwing throwing him the ball. And Tua doesn't have a cannon for an arm. He has an average he has average arm strength, but in that offense, they're gonna they're gonna critique and, and mix some some unique plays to get Tyree Kill the ball quickly and often. And let him explode after the catch, and that's really what that offense is going to entail. Because we've seen uh, Jalen Waddle have a really big rookie year in that offense. Um, yeah, new new regime is in place. Mike McDaniel's is now the head coach, but I still feel like uh, coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree, he's going to run the football. He's going to uh, turn those 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 running plays into you know RPOs or play actions. Uh, and, and utilize the short to intermediate passing game to get the ball quickly into these receivers' hands, like Tyree Kill and Jan Waddle, and let and let them take the ball after and get yards after the catch. That's what's going to happen there. Uh, but for Debo, I feel like the, whatever team is going to get Debo, and and you, like there's definitely a lot of needy wide receiver needy teams out there. Uh, I think Debo fits into any offense. Uh, I prefer. Debo, no matter where he goes, to play in the slot. And when you when you look at it, what teams are like on the brink of Super Bowls, you know what I mean? And winning the chip mm -hmm. and contenders and all that. Mm -hmm. Look at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, they don't have Cole mm -hmm. Beasley, right? Mm -hmm. they, they let him walk. There's a slot position open there. And I feel like if somehow they were able to get a trade consummated, even if they give up, one of their first rounders right. and you bring in Debo now to that, to Stefan Diggs, And then you have Debo in the slot and uh, Davis on the other side. That's a nice receiving core right there. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we all, we always talked about now Dawson Knox breaking out at tight end. So really nice weapons now on that offense. Who do you want to defend most? Uh, so right. that's a team that's, uh, you know, that's one of many though. Like you could go, it doesn't even have to be a contender. Because just like, you know, we were talking about moments ago, there's no trade clause. So it's not like he, there's a window like, oh, we can only pick from these three teams because that's where Debo wants to go. Right. It's whoever has the most compensation Absolutely. up front, that's where he's going. So we know the Jets were in on Tyree Kill. Now, how do the Jets value a guy like Debo? Because he's, he's a different wide receiver. He's not short, quickness, explosive, can accelerate in two steps and get, have top speed that way. He's explosive, but he's physical. He catches the ball very well. He runs great routes. Doesn't have 
top end speed like a Tyreek Hill, but has a decent speed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do the Jets, if the Jets were willing to give up a second and two thirds for Tyreek, what is that? What if they're interested? Do the Jets go after now Debo, which would definitely help out Zach Wilson and company? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what would they what would they value Debo as? Because if they're not valuing him as like a Tyreek Hill, now what does that mean? Does that mean we just want to give you a second rounder? Do you want to give right. you a second and a fourth? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a conversation that a lot of teams are going to have. A lot of teams got to figure it out now. We've heard recently that the Niners want a blockbuster amount. Yeah, 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 they want absolutely. what kind of like what Tyree Kill got. You know what I mean? But I, we, I mean, I think we both agree we don't see it that way. I mean, plus it being this close to draft time, mm-hmm. teams, I mean, they're, they're going to be interested. They're going to make phone calls. They're going to find out what the asking price really is. But at the same time, the draft is a week away. You can make your – you don't have to – think about if you trade picks away, like these high picks, like so, let's just say second and third and a six-rounder he gets, right? Those picks you could utilize to make your team better. And with this upcoming draft, there's – the wide receiver group is very, very deep. So you don't – if you hold on to those picks and use them to get a wide receiver or two out of this draft – you might it might be better for you than to just trade those picks away for one guy and, and and maybe that one guy isn't as explosive as a rookie that you could have drafted or maybe you bring him in and it's he he's not exactly the guy that you thought he was in your offense or would become in your offense so there's a lot of variables absolutely mm-hmm. But uh, with Debo Samuel, we're going to monitor this, obviously, going into the draft. We'll see. Maybe he get, maybe it's a draft day trade that gets worked out and done in the draft. That's a possibility. The other possibility is that it's going to happen after the draft when the dust settles and teams start to figure out, like, okay, we got some money. We could probably mm-hmm. pull this trade mm-hmm. off and use our, our next year's draft picks. Right. Like Tom Leiter says just now, uh, the draft is full of wide receiver and edge rushers. And uh, – yeah, and you notice now, like the once the Tyreek Hill news broke, that thing was done within an hour, I think, or something like that. And so this is gonna take its time; it's gonna get worked out, and you can see right there in the value of what uh, other teams see Debo and what what's gonna be uh, negotiated here. Uh, Joe, your brother is in the house with us tonight. <laughs> My bro, what's there up, brother? Go. He's in the house with us. He says, uh, "What two is a Honda, Honda Civic. Civic, and Mahomes is a Lexus." <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love it. Man. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we also had we also had a couple other people watching. We had uh, Jamie Burnetter watching. Welcome to the show. Uh, Robert Carlisle, welcome. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Barbara Jean uh, Spiridowski. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, uh, Kyle Plunkett is also in the oh, house. What's snap. up, Kyle? I love it. Ah, we got people flying in here on the draft board here. Cody, as, as we already mentioned, Tom is one of our guys. Mike, one of our longtime OGs. Um, Dan, Dan Cusiano, thank you for joining the the show as well. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ooh, Mike, Ta- I didn't see that. this. Mike Tacko also said, uh, "Can you imagine Debo in Buffalo?" Yeah, uh, we but, just kind of talked about it. So we, yeah, yeah. We, it'd be scary for for some people. You know, what I mean, yeah, to see yeah. that on the other side. How about how about that? And that's the thing. But and, we've seen teams like this go yeah. in all in like this, yeah. though. You know but, what I mean? And load up like that, and they not even care about salary cap at this point for right. some of these guys too. So. That, uh, for me, that, I'm not. Su- would it be surprised? We've seen other stuff happen. Yeah, and you're starting to notice a trend in the NFL 
where there's that big argument about the draft, drafting a wide receiver and developing him, or do you go and trade for a proven veteran that you can bring in and you know what you're getting right away to help your team, uh, you know, maybe get over the, the hump there. So that argument is happening right now, and you're starting to see that trend happening right in front of our eyes. Look at what, the, what happened just transpired. Terry Kill getting traded from Kansas City, going to the Dolphins. Devontae Adams, who honestly never thought that was going to happen, never thought Devontae Adams would have got traded out of Green Bay, but he ends up getting traded to the, the Raiders. And these are teams that need these explosive or number one type of receiver players, but by doing these trades, they already know what they're getting. It's not mm-hmm. a not a mystery, not a secret. There's no there's uh not development. There's not really any more development going on there. You already know what the the kind of caliber receiver you're getting. So there is that argument now in the NFL. Like you're you might be better off trading for a veteran receiver, a proven receiver in the NFL versus drafting a rookie, taking a risk and saying. We really believe in this guy. We think we could develop him to be a number one or number two at least, and and he's going to help us get over the hump. So, yeah, Mike that, that argument says, is always there. Uh, the scary thing is Buffalo could also draft uh, Jamison Williams, uh, give him time to right. recover and uh, complement an already explosive Bills offense as well. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, on this talk with with the Debo stuff, well, we before this all dropped even today in the last remaining hours, you know, of yesterday. Uh, A.J. Brown was on board with this whole type of deal, too, wanted to seek more money. Terry McLaurin, too, as well. You've seen that they've been big parts of their teams. Uh, sometimes uh, the only explosive uh, part of their offense, when I'm talking about Terry McLaurin, yeah. you know, with that Washington team that still doesn't have really their quarterback, maybe, but maybe they no. tried with Heineke, but they're, now they're giving up on him. Just like that. I wouldn't say that. And so he's kind of stuck in limbo. He's worried about his future here. Um, where do you see these guys? And I'm asking everybody out there too. drop us a comment there too. let us know your uh, opinion about this. Now, we've seen Debo. We've seen now Tyree kill all that stuff start to play out and what level these guys might be on how important they are to their team. What do you see happening with A.J. Brown now? Is it one of these things that they're looking at that Devontae Adams thing and the Tyreek Hill to where, hey, you know, if my team doesn't give me the money that maybe I can just get traded out and and get paid somewhere else. So do I really go for that route instead or do I really try and do I really want to be here and expect that these guys are going to pay me this contract? And what might that be? I don't think so at all. I think a lot of these guys, like a Terry McLaurin, like a AJ Brown, they're settled in where they're at. They are right. They already know the offense. They are premier players in those offenses. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to move? Mm-hmm. Like they just want a new deal. They want security. That's exactly what Debo wanted. And they and it just it's not going to work out. I mean, Debo realized himself probably that he's like, I just want to be a receiver, and as long as I'm here, I'm not going to be used as just a receiver. So knowing that, that's why he demanded a trade. Whereas A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin, they're just wide receivers. They already know their roles. They're very good at them. And for Terry McLaurin, I'll say more than A.J., is he has two legs to stand on. He, he has shown production. Almost every, actually every single year he's been there in Washington and not with a lot of talent around him, if any. 
I mean, you look at that offensive side of the ball since he's entered the league. He's been the, their go-to receiver, their number one receiver. Who do they throw it to when they're in desperate need? Terry McLaurin. Who's their big-time playmaker? Terry McLaurin. He's always been there, regardless of quarterbacks, too. Think about how many quarterbacks have been in and out of the lineup now for Washington. They still haven't found their franchise guy. And, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke, not to, not to throw stones at him, but to be honest, he was always seen as a developmental quarterback. So he's not the franchise guy maybe just yet. He still needs further development. But you see sparks from him. You see that he has something there. So Washington still needs to work more with him, but he's not the franchise guy. So they still don't have that, that quarterback that's going to take them farther than what, where they want to be. But, but Terry McLaurin is definitely in deserving of an of a extension, and, and rightfully so. Now, like A.J. Brown, I'm not trying to slight A.J. Brown, but like when you and me were doing our research on him and, and seeing like he's been often in and out of the lineup you yeah. know what I mean? He had yeah, yeah, yeah. he had one really mm-hmm. solid production mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. where he kind of blew up, and everybody's like, "This is the AJ Brown that we were waiting to see." And AJ Brown, don't get me wrong, when he's healthy and he's on the field, he's dynamic for Tennessee. He is amazing on the football field, so he gives them that spark. But when he's injured, often it's like, "What kind of a contract do you expect to get?" Don't get me wrong, he will definitely get a raise. Tennessee is not going to want to let him walk out the door when his contract expires. Tennessee is, is going to do everything mm-hmm. possible to re-sign A.J. Brown. But it's got to be realistic. And I, and I think A.J. Brown's agent and A.J. Brown know this. They just want security, just like Terry McLaurin wants, just like Debo is looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, that's all a lot of what a lot of players want. Yes, they want to be paid, mm-hmm. you know, you know, rightfully paid. They want to they want to be deserving of of what their play on the football field should match up with their with their paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, uh, Mike Tackett says Christian Kirk has opened Pandora's box for wide receiver paydays. Uh, yeah, I think for some of that, uh, absolutely. But even if you take a look at uh, what uh, AJ Brown has done, he has had his time of injuries here though too. But still, his first two seasons, uh, packing out over 1,000 yards each season, and then. Only playing 13 games last year, 869 yards still. So sneakily still getting that production and being, at this point, their best wide receiver on that team. They got to lock him in on this. They tried to get that Julio Jones last season on the tandem, you know, back and forth here. But he couldn't stay healthy right. either as well. And they never had him on the same time, was, on the field right. at the same time It was either. funny, right? So he never was able <laughs> to get done what needed to get done. And I think that's why even we saw some of Ryan Tannehill's numbers drop too as well with that. Despite that, that team made the playoffs and they fought hard without even having Derrick Henry throughout the season, too, as well. Not to mention they were so. the number one seed. Yeah. They finished the yeah, number one like seed that. in the AFC. Yeah, so, yeah. so you got to you gotta give them uh, credit for that one, too, definitely, as well. Definitely. Uh, Mike Tackett here in the house again. He says, imagine being the bottom 75% of your company's payroll, but you're easily one of the best five employees right. for your company. Yeah. Hell, when the janitor gets a bigger raise than you, you'd be pissed, too. Yeah, I know. And you see this a lot. I mean, with 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 companies but, too, and everybody thinks that they should get paid whatever they should get paid, and not, you know stuff like that. Some people maybe are afraid to say maybe go ask for a raise. They think they should be noticed, yeah, and just not have to go and do that. That my you know, I'm working hard. They should see that I'm doing this. They should just give it to me. But as yeah. a 
as a player, they're able to do something like this, to have antics. Imagine now if you were uh, you know, wherever you work, Joe, say, you know, you know, mm -hmm. the fitness place, say all of a sudden you all of a sudden start putting on social media, you know, that you had nothing to do with the, the employer, you know, and Dave and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he's like, yo, Joe, what the hell is going on, bro? He's like, I don't know, man. I want to raise now or something like that, you know, yeah. and this yeah. and this, or I, I ain't going to show up until you do that for me. Yeah. yeah they ain't going to treat you very well. That way they're like, yeah, I love you, dude, but come on, man, you got to come back. Uh, the, luckily, NFL players have a little more play they with this whole thing and stuff like that. They have a yeah, contract. They do have a contract to serve on that. Uh, but I understand where they get the hurt feelings and stuff like that, and and that's the thing. You sign that rookie deal. Yeah. And so, um, but okay. that whole thing, the thing is too with with the rookie deals, they get less now. That was changed a few years back now. Oh, with, yeah. with the whole thing and that signing, especially oh, yeah. uh, first rounders. Yeah. It was because of so many different type of. Uh, busts that they had that in investments that, that teams that had to put on these guys and guaranteed those big money. time money. Sam Bradford, one of them, that guy got paid by multiple teams, even too, and trades yeah. too. That guy, you want to talk about Kirk Cousins and his uh, his uh, negotiator and his uh, you know agent? Mm -hmm. Now look at Sam Bradford too, man. Holy crap, that guy is really banked too as well. And this is what teams have tried to steer avoid, away from yeah. and avoid this, but and that's why it turns on to the to players now to try and bring this forth. And, and, and yeah, and that's why the draft has changed with the contracts. They made them cheaper now, so you're not heavily investing in a player that's unproven. Uh, so it's more team friendly now for the draft and and what to expect for contracts. It's not, and that's the other problem too is when whenever a player got drafted, it was open ball game for contracts being negotiated. You know what I mean? So if you got picked fifth overall versus the guy second overall, the guy fifth overall got a better contract somehow. And then the guy second overall was like, hey, wait a second. Why did that guy get paid more than me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there was that a lot of issues in, in, in the draft before and with their contracts uh, afterwards. But now uh, that's all straightened out. So, I mean, and here's the thing is bottom line, you got these receivers now. Debo wants to be traded. I, and here's the thing is, you know, it, it, the Niners have been trying to keep him there. They are going to do everything they can to try to change his mind again and try to come back to the Niners because uh, if they lose him, that's losing a big piece of their offense. And I'm not sure how much better they can be or they might be even worse without him. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, because he's such a good they, player. And who knows? Because, uh, yes, you, 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 they, maybe they see something in Trey Lance and what they're going to do too because you hear about – trading jimmy g, g right. too as well yeah so that probably plays in part of some of this too if he wants to be traded as you well think? jimmy g's not going to be there i'm not going to stick around for this whole thing either while i get the shit kicked out of me and i have to be your whole offense behind this guy so uh, well he's I already seen part of it he's already seen trey lance in practice mm -hmm. and what is trey lance really good at running mm -hmm. that's what he's really really good at he's really good at running and when when he needs to work on it on his on his passing game, and we we seen in college. Go back to college with Trey Lance. They didn't really throw the ball that often. They did a lot of runs with him, so that's got to be concerning. And now you bring a guy like that and you draft him. What is Debo thinking? Like when this guy gets the torch passed to him, if that's what he's good at, mm -hmm. that means I'm going to be involved in the running game a lot more. Mm -hmm. That means I'm not going to get that many passes. So the future doesn't look so bright for him. Maybe you know, and he just wants to play wide receiver. So um Debo, that's why he's got that that trade request out there right now and uh guys like AJ Brown and 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 rightfully so these guys need security and that's why they're asking for it now. And and let's see if they can get a a deal done. You you look at AJ Brown, I say like you pay him anywhere between 
nine and eleven million a year on average, mm-hmm. and and give him that kind of a deal, however long you want it, four years, five years. Uh, Terry McLaurin probably a little bit more because he's definitely been way more productive regardless of who's been there in the offense. That he's going to definitely ask for maybe twelve to fifteen million a year, and then you look at. Uh, and now you look at Debo. What do you pay this guy? Uh, Debo is going to be a little bit different because of what he's been able to do last year. Uh, and now that he wants to play just receiver, still think he's going to be very good. But I don't think he's going to get a crazy number in his contract. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be somewhere in between where, yeah, where between Terry where and A.J. That, Brown that makes will sense get. to me. Uh, Brandon, your brother's in there. He says, remember Sam Bradford, LOL. That's right. right. <laughs> That's what we just talked about. Yeah. That guy, even since the draft, too, that guy had a bunch of question marks, too, with his, with his injury, too. I mean, this guy oh, played the whole thing, man. And then was injured throughout his season, his, this season, too, as well. Uh, uh, can I get that Mohawk Honda money? There you go, the Mohawk <laughs> Honda, yeah. Uh, Brandon should get the Mohawk Honda money, maybe, too. He mentioned about Tua being a... Uh, uh, like a Honda, you know, that's but right. maybe that's a good thing. Hey, you know, I'm going to roll right into it then. We're going to roll right in. Thanks, just so Mike. You, just you're so going to segue me right into this. Right? Just, right? So you, just so you know, my, my brother works for the Lexus dealership. Oh, yeah? yeah. Nice. So, so he's also oh, helping so his he's own helping dealership Lexus out. Lexus, too, on there, too. So I get Mahomes it. So, is like a Lexus. All right, so then on the other side, let me tell you, let me tell you. Tua will be the best Mohawk, best Honda you get if you get it from Mohawk Honda, our friends at Mohawk Honda. That's right, on Freeman's Bridge Road. Scotia Glenville, Freeman's Bridge Road. I see it all the day. I, I work up there, Joe. He knows it. I drive by the, the lot. It is full, stacked with, with inventory nonstop. Throughout the pandemic, they've kept it going there. They they have they, everything you even need besides Hondas, too, anything used, pre-used, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and brand-new uh, vehicles, too, as well. And this spring, dude, it's the perfect time to get top dollar for your trade-in. With the Kelly Blue Book instant cash offer, they're still doing it. I tell you, Brandon's probably doing the Kelly Blue against the cash offer down that too, because that is great, dude. Let me tell you, they cut you a check the same day you go in there. You put in the information here for your vehicle. They'll tell you exactly what it's worth. You take the check right there if you want it or trade it in on a beautiful brand new or slightly used Mohawk Honda right there for you. So follow uh, Mohawk Honda on Facebook, Twitter, and all their social media platforms, too, to stay updated with the newest vehicles rolling in. I get them. I follow them on Facebook. I see the pictures of the new stuff getting rolled in and also the purchases. They take pictures with everybody they're selling cars to, too. And, 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 and you know, part of they're part of the family, Joe. They're right there. It's like a family photo next to their new car. And also, don't forget uh, to find out more about this year's pet adoption clinic that they're doing. It's scheduled for April 24th. If you're looking to adopt a pet four days well, in four that's days, right. go to Mohawk County. You can get a car. You can get rid of that old nasty car, get a new car, and go out <laughs> with a pet too as well. How nice is that? So make sure you don't bring your wife's or your girlfriend's because no. you might leave with a pet if you don't or want two. one. So be careful there too as well. But Mohawk <laughs> Honda, where they go out of their way to please you. All right, Joe, you know, we're going to get to the segment that's uh, been hot, you know, this last couple of uh, weeks here because the draft is coming up. We do this. We've been doing this for the past two or three years, I think, now. Uh, yes. But Joe has been coming up with his list. So he he works hard. He studies. He does his homework, watches video, watches the I don't the sleep film. much. No, he doesn't. And uh, he gives you his rankings of uh, the top offensive players that he sees in this, uh, the prospects he sees in this draft, and he also does it for defense here. Uh, Mike Tackett says, can I trade my girlfriend for a dog? I mean, I guess you could. 
pre- that's probably safer. You got know as you're married and stuff. That's probably a good idea. You probably want to do that. All right. And and she probably doesn't watch this show, so you're good. All right. So, anyways, we're gonna get to Joe DiCaprio's uh, top ten list here, Joe. Uh, and why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be doing, uh, you know, for this one. So for the top 10 of each position now for the defensive side, like, like I kind of grouped together, like the D de- the defensive linemen all together as a top 10, I grouped together the linebackers as, as one group and, and, um, and for the safeties and corners, I kind of split that up for like a little bit of a, of a difference there. I made a top 10 for safeties and a top 10 for corners, but to be completely honest with you with this draft, I'll say this, as far as cornerbacks go, as far as D linemen go, there are a shit ton to be added to your team in this draft. Uh, there's a lot of depth and you can't go wrong. Uh, basically, I guess what is what I'm saying there in those positions, they're very deep. There's some guys that need some development. There's some guys that are, are a little closer to being just like week one ready to go and, put, you know, plug and play type of players. Uh, but even with the guys that have a lot of development that, that that's needed, the, the, the ceiling on them is so high. They could end up being one of these big time playmakers for your team down the road. And you might be able to get them in like maybe the, the third or fourth round. All right, all right. So we'll get the the music rolling, Joe. Let's go. You want to start off with safeties first? Let's go. All right, let's, let's do, do the it. Safeties. Let's do the safeties first. Let's get it rock and roll. Here we go. Number ten for your top ten safeties of the 2022 NFL Draft prospects. Sit. Lewis kind of Lewis seen. Lewis seen from Georgia. Uh, safety, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but but the uh, the other thing is about this kid is that I have him at ten. He would be higher if he was able to. Here's a problem with Georgia's players, and, and it's kind of something that I noticed with linebackers and D-line and in and, and the safety position. They asked their players to do to do certain things in their defense or certain things in their offense only. So you didn't get a full mm-hmm. spectrum of what they're capable of. Are they capable of cut co- of man-to-man coverage a lot? Are they capable of just zone? Are they capable of doing both? You know what I mean? So with Lewis Seen, he has a he's a good prospect to develop down the road. He could be a very good starting caliber safety, but as of right now, if you draft him, there's going to be some work down the road with him. I don't expect him to crack the lineup in two to three years uh, at safety position. But again, there's a lot to like there. There's a lot of athleticism. He's got he's got speed to burn and. He tackles well. So th- those are three attributes that he has that's, that's well. But other than that, I think he needs to hit the film room and learn more of the X's and O's and, and, and get better that way. All right. All right. Let's get up to your next player on the list. And we got it here at number nine. Brian Cook from Cincinnati. Brian Cook, I like this kid. He's very similar to Lewis Cena in, in, a, in a way guy that's really fast a guy that tackles well he's sideline to sideline but again he's going to need further development you know what i mean i don't know how long it's going to take some of these players to to get right and that and that's i guess that's what i'll say is sometimes it depends on if the player can can learn fast if the player can can put what he's learned in the film room on the football field and then even the next 
pick that I have on my list is kind of seen as that. These are a lot of developmental safeties in the lower tier of, of my top 10. But guys that if they get it right, if if they put everything in, in line their ducks in a row, they could be big-time ballers. So Brian Cook from Cincinnati is uh, another good one. Uh, uh, number eight, JT Woods from Baylor. This kid can fly. I mean, for his size at safety, he is a speed demon. And But that's kind of like the only thing he's got going for him. He's great at man-to-man coverage, but zone he's a little weak on. Tackling needs to get better. Hopefully that gets better in, 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 at the next level with better coaching. But JT Woods, he's another developmental prospect. I think he's a great safety if you want a guy to defend against the tight end, man-to-man, or even guys in the slot. He could do it. Uh, so JT Woods from Baylor. All right, next up here on Number seven. Number seven. I got Nick Cross from Maryland, uh, another developmental prospect. Uh, I just I like the ceilings on a lot of these guys, uh, you know, seven through ten. These are guys that I think that if you develop, develop them right and they're in the right scheme, and it's not just about where they're placed, but it's also on themselves as well. They got to put the work in. So if they do that, you could see, you could actually draft these guys later, mid to late rounds. And if you develop, if you if they develop the way you want them to develop, they could end up being starters down the road. But Nick Cross is another guy who's got he's got speed, but he needs to work on zone. He needs to work on man concepts. Uh, another issue that Nick Cross has is he he doesn't do a very good job of diagnosing a play. So there's got to be a lot of work, and I think for most of these safeties, there's a lot of cerebral work that needs to be done. They got the physical tools, they got to put it, they got to get it in the film room and learn it right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let us know in your comments too if you guys are agreeing with some of this here too, or you got any questions here for Joe about these lists too. Let us know in the comments. Don't be shy out there. All right, so that brings you into your number six here, Joe. Almost ready to top, crack the top five. Almost ready. Kirby Almost Joseph ready. Uh, from Illinois. Uh, another kid. I This is a kid that I feel is pretty solid. He has a, he has a lot to offer as safety. He's not, he's not super fast. He's not super explosive, but he does a lot of things well. And that's why he cracks, uh, you know, at the, at the number six spot here. Uh, but, uh, again, another solid prospect. You can get him in the middle rounds and, and further develop him like the rest of these guys. All right, here now we're in the top five for your safeties. Quinton Lake from UCLA. Quinton Lake I really, really like. Uh, I feel like Quinton Lake is a guy that you could insert into any defense, and he's going to play really well for you. If it's a zone concept defense, he'll do do the job. If it's a man-to-man uh, you know, concept, he can do the job. So he's a guy that doesn't excel at any one, you know, any, any one particular area but he does everything well so there's not a really big weakness anywhere but he does everything well so if you're looking for a really solid safety a guy that you can utilize and is versatile Quinton Lake is your guy from UCLA all right here number four number four Jaquan Brisker uh, from Penn State man is he is he something special on tape Uh, very fast is very aggressive is going to come up and, and smack you in the mouth is a great tackler, did very a very good job in terms of zone coverage. Uh, man, I didn't really like what I saw with his man coverage, and Penn State didn't utilize that man coverage uh, scheme that much. However, Jaquan Brisker, if he's developed right, 
Uh, this kid, he has he has a lot of the physical tools that you that you look for at safety. Uh, but I think his ceiling, though, if he de- gets developed right and gets with the, with the right team, I, I think that it's sky's the limit. All right, here Cody Raptors in the house. He has a comment for us here. He says. Uh, I feel like I don't like a lot of safeties, but the top five seem like they could uh, all be high-quality starters right out of the draft. And then uh, Mike Tackett here, he's got, uh, I think, his list right here. Is this what it is here? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right, here, want to start from his number 10? All the way down, he's got uh, Cam Taylor-Britt from Nebraska Nebraska. here, number 10. Number 9, Verone McKinley III Mm -hmm. from Oregon. Number 8, Brian Cook from Cincinnati. Uh, seven, Nick Cross from Maryland. Uh, six, Jaquan Brisker, Penn State. He's getting close to what you are here, Joe, on, this, on some of these. I think just a tick off uh, on riding its way down. Uh, Kirby Joseph here in Illinois, and he's got Lewis uh, Seen right here at number four, Joe, right there. You had him further down on your list, and he's mm-hmm. got him here at number four. Uh, Jalen uh, Petrie here at three. Um, Daxton Hill from Michigan, my guy here at number two, and Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame at number one. All right, Mike Tackett dropping his list. We love to hear it and we'll have to see it too. So if you guys have your own list out there too, put them up in those comments. We don't care. We love to see that. And we'll see the differences Absolutely. between you guys and stuff. Because again, this is Joe's opinion, what he's seen, stuff like that. You know, you guys have a different opinion out there. We're looking to see what that is. We won't tell you you're wrong at all with any of this. You're stuff. wrong, Mike. We love to see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens when it, when it goes down. All right. So we'll, we'll see. No, but, it's uh, all love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Joe. And, that, and, and, and that's the other thing, too, that, that I feel like needs to be said is that whenever anybody does top 10 lists, Sometimes when you're when you're looking at players, you're looking at them because of what you like in a player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody has a different opinion on, on what kind of safety they want. I, I want a man-to-man guy. I want a guy that just can clamp up and lock down tight ends and, and slot receivers. Or I like a guy that can play great zone who's always going to be like a ball hawk and move side to side, you know, all over the football field. So it's really like what what your what what your your taste buds like. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, so what kind of guy or what kind of prospect you like to look at? J- just like receivers. Some guys like really big receivers. Mm-hmm. They might not be the fastest, but they just like their physicality. And then uh, other guys might like the little tiny guy that's like a jitterbug and is super fast and you can't stay with him. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is, again, that's what we always said about your opinions. If you really don't like a guy, just let us know out there, you know, and stuff. Uh, yeah. We're not going to tell you that. I could see we're it. not going to roll with the punches Listen. here, too, you know, and just say, hey, whatever this guy says, I'm right. a major, you know, analyst and stuff. And we don't co- just go with it. Because yeah. we've also at one point seen, not only mm-hmm. just with players, but coaches, uh, I think the the Ben McAdoo move with the Giants signing Ben McAdoo as their head coach was like an A-grade move amongst all the analysts. How did that turn out for them? So, that goes to show you. Yeah, and what not was, all of them know everything. What was our grade? It was shit. Yes. <laughs> it was like a C. I don't think you even got one. You know, I think it was so a C. All right. It was like at least they hired somebody, but yeah. it was like, yeah, that's not the oh, right dude, guy. Yeah, I don't like that. All right, here we go. So, yeah, we're Joe's uh, top ten list here. We're on safeties. Um, before we guess, get to number three here, we'll look at Mike Tackett's uh, comment. He says this year yes, was bro. crazy. But next year we need to come together and yes. have a draft show party yes. in our own war room. Ben McAdoo, LOL, uh, Brian, or Brandon, <laughs> Brandon. says, Brandon, uh, yeah, dude, we do, because we've been riding out this COVID thing, we've been riding out all this stuff, uh, we're trying to do a live show this year with things, but things are still a little sketchy here and there, um, I have, uh, you know, uh, 
scheduling conflicts with my wife with her stuff and stuff. So we're trying to even be able to be together here for for our draft. So we'll see what happens. We definitely want to do a live thing or something where we meet up with you again, Mike Tackett, and mm -hmm. all you guys out there. It'll too, be fun. Let us know. We'll hook something up. Branded. Maybe we'll just go down there. We'll do it all together. Yes. Thing. Florida. Florida seems to be where we're be getting drawn to. <laughs> we're drawn to Florida. Maybe how far is uh, Playa Linda Beach from all that stuff? I don't Paul, know, Maddie. Because I don't know where. Yeah, I don't is. know. We got to figure that out. I need to get a map of Florida. And we'll Brandon, the where, where's this down? Brandon would know. Where's Playland Beach? I'll start doing things with the yarn and the pins, and I'll start putting it through, and then I'll do a radius, and then like, here we go. We got to meet at this point at this time. I want that one. Narrow it in. Brandon just said, "Come on down to Florida." There you go. Come, Pablo. Come to Florida. We love you. We miss you. All right, here we go. All right, number. Oh jeez. Number three. Let's get into it. Jalen right. Petrie here. Number three yeah. for Baylor, Joe. I see yeah, for this, you. this kid. I really like a lot. I mean, he does a lot of things well. He's fast. He's physical. He makes good tackles. He's also, like, you could utilize him as a, a, a slot type of corner as well. Like, he's he's very versatile. And and that, to me, was really surprising. Is how well he could tackle, how well he was able to cover all over the football field. And I just think that this this kid, he he's definitely, like, a day one starter. Easy. Uh, even as my third safety on, on the board. And, it, and the other thing, too, is to be honest, I didn't even want to do a top 10 for safeties, to be honest. I could have done a top five and been okay with it because uh, a lot a lot of those guys in the bottom 10, I, I feel just are more like those developmental types. Ah, horseshit! But I did it anyway. He did. So. Uh, Brandon says about two and a half hours away. So Playa it's not bad. Beach, two and a half hours away for, for him. But that's, that's what bad. I mean. I got to find out from Mike Tackett now. So where's that? And then well, Ocala, where, where, where is Ocala? Ocala's close more, to right? where Brandon is. A little bit more. Where's Brandon? Where's he's he in? Uh, he's oh, in, in Orlando, Tampa. Or is it Tampa? Okay, so it's only north, I okay, think, of so, Tampa. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's close. Yeah. It's not far because I it's remember like an hour maybe, through I think. it when I was on my 24-hour drive all straight through, through from New York to Florida. I stopped in Ocala to get an energy drink to stay awake still for that extra drive into Fort Myers uh, that I had to do. It was funny. Uh, the, the last time, real so, quick, the last time I was in Florida and I was visiting my brother, I did hit up Mike Tackett, and I said, hey, what are you doing today? And he's like, oh, I'm having lunch with, with, uh, with my, with my kid. With kid? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool, man. Hey, I'm in Florida. He's like, oh, no way. He goes, let's see if we can link up. It didn't end up working out, but. We, we, we made the attempt. <laughs> yeah, we always do. Even when I was in Maryland, I, you know, hit up my man, um, John, out there. So he, he's, uh, he's a good guy, too, that runs another group that we, we follow. We're part of. Uh, and we're always trying to hang out with you guys and meet up with you guys. Definitely out there. We want to meet up with you guys from other states. Definitely. Tampa, 90 minutes oh, south okay. from him. So, yeah, it's, that's it's a not bit bad. away. So, but not yeah, bad at all. That's what I mean. Doable. Maybe 90 minutes. Not that bad. It's all doable. So, and what did Brandon say? He said about 90 minutes where he was, too, or something like that. Two and a half hours. So he's in Tampa, right? Well, he said two and a half hours to from, play, from play Linda. Linda. All right, so maybe we'll meet somewhere in between Tampa we'll and somewhere. Fi we'll, let's we'll just figure we'll it figure it out. This we'll is not the show out. to figure That's out right. when to coordinate this. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, hey, we'll make a group. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, Cody anyway. says, with how good uh, Petrie and Hill are, it's hard for me just to see the value in some mm. of these uh, teams looking into drafting Hamilton in the top 15 despite his insane talent. Right, right. And, and and you're going to see something right now. <laughs> Hamilton is now my number two guy. Boom, boom. Uh, so drop the bomb. I I here's the thing is I was really close to moving Petrie above Kyle Hamilton, and 
I didn't because Kyle Hamilton had a size. I mean, that's the thing is the size alone, how big of a safety he is, and for him to run a 4-6-40 is actually pretty insane. Phenomenal tackler. He's a guy that reads the de- reads the offense extremely well. He read and reacts, and when he sees something, he just goes. He doesn't hesitate on a play. It's almost like he's just mirroring the, the offense and knows exactly where it's going. Uh, so Kyle Hamilton, I, I like him. I don't love him. Uh, I know everybody else is like jumping through hoops over this guy, but to me, what I saw on tape is sometimes he gets a little lethargic in in in, in his movement. Uh, but and he's not that surprisingly, he's not that good against the run. Uh, I I Kyle Hamilton, good prospect. He's definitely going to be a, a a day one, maybe maybe day two type of of, of a pick, uh, but. He's good, but he's got to fit into a certain scheme. I don't think he's going to be oh, – that's the other thing, too, the knock on him is man-to-man coverage. He can't do it. It's that simple. If it's man-to-man coverage, I've seen him at Notre Dame, any receiver, any, even a running back coming out of the backfield, he could not stay with them. So that's going to be concerning because when you're going up to the next level, you're going to deal with that a lot. You know, So hopefully Kyle Hamilton can go somewhere where it's more of a zone concept defense and kind of feel right at home there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Raptor, holy crapper, hashtag checker of the day. <laughs> there it is. There's, it there. There's the explosion. I think he did. He just, he just broke the internet for him there. Uh, so here we go. So that leads up to number one here, and there he is. My number one is Dax Hill Dax from Hill, Michigan. Michigan. There you go, baby. Hands yeah, down. Right. Michigan love. Hands down the best safety in this draft. He can do everything extremely well. He's a great tackler. He can cover in zone. He can cover in man. And when he covers in man, he's right on your hip pocket. He, good luck trying to shake him off because it's not going to happen. Uh, so he does extreme. He does a lot of things well, and he's super fast. Uh, so I, I just I love Dax Hill. I love Jalen Petrie too. That's why it was hard for me because I, I I wanted to kind of put Petrie above Kyle Hamilton even even so, Ooh. but I didn't because. I was like, he. J- the thing that makes up uh, for Hamilton, what makes up in his in his like four six forty time, what makes him faster, is his read and reaction skills. So he's already ahead of those guys in that in that aspect. But uh, and that's why he ended up still number two. But Dax Hill, I think, is going to be the best safety drafted. Uh, Jalen Petrie could make an argument for that as well. Uh, and Kyle Hamilton, I feel, is going to be a really good safety, but. It's got to be in the right scheme. So if he lands, say, like with the New England Patriots or something like that, or uh, who else does a zone scheme right now? Texans, maybe. Maybe they take him. I don't know. Because uh, there's been rumors about that, too. Maybe the Texans taking Kyle Hamilton that high at three. Uh, but I just think there's too much value with other positions there. Maybe Atlanta. You know what I mean? So there's a lot. There's some teams that are picking higher that, that, that do use zone concepts that, that could utilize him, uh, maybe Washington. Uh, so uh, you, you, let's just say there's a lot of suitors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but um, Dax Hill is definitely my number one. All right, there you go. There's the top ten list for his safeties, Joe. Absolutely. And thank uh, God that's over. Yeah. With. Right. There you go. You got the safety. It was hard enough for you to do it, right? All right. So what's not hard? Let me tell you. Go to Rays and go to repsports.com. Get Enter yourself it. some damn Rays, right? Enter Joe, that promo code. Promo code. Raise them up. R-A-Z-E-M-U-P. Get our special promo code. Get a discount. 
It's fifteen percent off. off right here, Joe. You know, I don't. I took. I cares, cut, dude. I cut sugar Let's out go. of my diet. You know this. I'm looking great. I'm feeling great. And you know what? This helps out too because no sugar, hydration gives me the energy I need. No crash. I feel absolutely great. I know what's in it because it gives you right here on the label. Yeah. We're not trying to kill you. Uh, and I don't feel and really crazy. Afterwards, yeah. The, like the, with other, the, the, the other, the other stuff I used to drink. The other thing about Ray's Energy though is you you named like big the the big bullet points there zero crash mm -hmm. and I know everybody every energy drink says that yeah. but this one I really don't feel a crash I just oh the energy wore off that's it yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. but this also has amino acids electrolytes that not a lot of energy drinks have so uh, a couple other bonuses to drinking Ray's Energy and. Made in the USA, right there in Florida, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so, boom. USA, 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 USA. Yeah, there you go. It's kind of like when, you know, I switched from taking acid and I started eating mushrooms. <laughs> you, you know, because, like, mushrooms, I could still trip, but I could still go to bed at the same time. You know, I didn't I don't keep me awake for 12 hours, <laughs> you know. So that's what it's like. If you want to, you know, try and compare it to something like that, it's like there you eating go. mushrooms, dude. It's amazing. All right, it is so, amazing. Anyways, before we move on to it, before we move on to the next segment, just want to say, listen, if you're new to the show, we're glad to have you. But could you please do us a favor? If you're on YouTube, search us up football on the no show. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to let you guys know when we go live as well. Hit the like button, because if you guys hit go to YouTube and hit the like button on all our videos, that actually helps us get noticed by more people. Uh not a lot of people know that. It's not just hitting a like because, oh, I like your point or whatever. No, if you hit that like, it definitely supports the channel. It opens it up, and, and maybe YouTube will actually show that video off to, to more people that enjoy football. That's right, and uh, pretty soon we're going to do a giveaway, too, for everybody that uh, subscribes. is on Facebook. Anybody else, if you hit the subscribe button on our uh, YouTube page, we will get notified, and we will put your name in the running to win a prize uh, in a few months and stuff like that. We're going to get it together, so we'll we'll do a big announcement for that. It'll be an but NFL jersey be, of your choice. There you go. There you go. So he's going to spill it right now. We, let's we just do it. It will. NFL jersey. Let's, let's get it going. Your choice. Spread it around. Your player, whatever you can be personalized to, whatever team that you want, we will get it for you. So you subscribe. We know who you are. Even drop a comment in one of our videos, whether it be our live video or whatever. Drop a comment with your name in it so we know it definitely that's even you and that it is verified that you subscribe and your name will be in the running to to win that jersey. So, all right, Joe, let's get into your next next list. And we've got the cornerbacks. This is going to be a fun one, too. Let's see what everybody has to say about this one. Let's get down to it. It's number 10. Damari Mathis from Pitt. Yeah, another player from Pitt yeah. is getting drafted. Ooh. Uh, you're going to see a lot of the same this, schools in some of these. I know. You're going to see there's, there's a trend going on for this year's draft. Uh, Damari Mathis, I I really like this kid. Uh, not not the tallest, not like, you know, the biggest type of, of corner, but he's like 5'11 on an average side. Uh, but, man, great at man coverage. It, is almost almost like he's all, like white on race. You know what I mean? He just sticks to you. You can't shake him. Uh, great ball skills, has that speed that you, you really like in a corner, uh, but all around good player and is physical, will come up and tackle and help in the run game. Absolutely. Sorry. Number nine. Quick. Number nine. Here we go for number nine. Let's go. Boom. Tariq Woolen from UTSA. He's a roadrunner, everybody. And when I say roadrunner, it's not just because of the logo, but, man, this kid can fly. Uh, he is a 6'4 corner, long, lean, 
runs extremely fast. He was like somewhere in the 4-2-7, 4-3 range. It was incredible watching this kid move. Great body control. Needs a little bit more development than, than some of these other prospects. But, man, if you could get this kid locked in, if you can get him ready for week one, a corner that is 6-4 and moves the way he moves. He moves like he's 5-11, but he's a gigantic corner with speed. So great hands, uh, you know, and he's seen more as like that man-to-man type of coverage, that shutdown type of corner, but still needs a little bit more development. But if you can get him there, wow, this, this dude could be the steal of the draft. All right, there you go. You heard it there with Joe. Uh, number eight now, here we go. Talking about steals of the draft, we're going to go again at number eight with Zion McCallum from Sam Houston State. Another big corner, long, lean, great in man coverage. He struggles a little bit in zone. Uh, so if you're if you're more of a, a predominant man type of defense, this is the guy that you're going to want to tr- you know go after. Uh, but from Sam Houston State, Zion here, McCallum, he is the guy to go for if if. There's, there's been a lot of kind of rumors circulating in the NFL about this kid and how he's ascending on draft boards right now. Uh, I have met number eight, but who knows? Pretty, pretty soon, by the time we get to the draft in another week, this kid could go from being in just the lower top ten. He might even get pushed up in, in the top five. Damn. Holy Santa Claus shit. Man, all right, number number seven here. Some real, and that's what I was saying. Like, there's some real good depth in cornerbacks, D line, and uh, there's some linebackers, but man, the the, the cornerbacks and the D lines are, are crazy deep. Uh, but Roger McCreary from Auburn, uh, this is a corner that if you're gonna look for size, he's not your guy. Uh, he's on the short side. And I know some teams are going to kind of like probably take him right off their draft boards because of his size, but he doesn't play small. He plays big. He's everywhere on the football field. He plays great in zone. He plays great in man. He's great at changing directions. He has speed to go with it. He has like a lot of the intangibles you would hope guys like Tariq Woolen and Zion McCallum would have. But even though he's a little shorter than most corners, he's one of those type of guys where you could draft him to be your slot corner. And you're starting to see that trend now where slot corner is almost just as important now as outside corners. Roger McCreary, if you're looking for a guy like that, this is your man. All right, here now moving on to your number six corner. Andrew Booth from Clemson. Uh, This is another corner who does everything well and one of the more physical corners. Uh, The only thing that kind of bothered me a little bit about his tape is that sometimes he got a little too rough, a little too handsy. And I worry about that going into the next level. He didn't get called for penalties in college. But in the NFL, you know they like to throw that yellow flag a lot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, you get handsy as well. So, I mean, that's kind of a little concerning to me going into the next level. Uh, but still, a great corner to, to, to bring into you, to your defense and probably be a week one starter for you. A guy that does another, another corner that does everything well. But he's also great at tackling. He'll come up and help in the run game. No questions asked. So he's great for for coverage, zone man, but also comes up and, and delivers punishment to those running backs. So Andrew Booth from Clemson. Number five is a guy that's kind of like a one-year wonder, I guess you could label him as, Jalen Amar Davis from Alabama. But he's a long, lean corner that has speed to burn 
And when you watch his tape, I know it's kind of one year, but when you watch him, there's not too many flaws in his game. Uh, he's a good, he's a really good zone type of corner, good at man at times. But ah, this was tough for me because I could have very easily flip-flopped Andrew Booth here with him. But I just like the upside of, of this kid. I, I think that if whatever team he gets put on, I think he's going to excel and he'll end up winning that starting job. All right. All right. Cody says, um, yeah, Booth seems like a day one asset in terms of helping against the run, but has a lot of work to do in his cover skills at the next level. There you go. Cody's right on board with you on this one here. Uh, as, far as, <laughs> as far as I know, I think I haven't seen his list. He won't post his list here for us unless he already has. Anyway, and we number four. It. Here we go. Kyrie Elam from Florida. Uh, this is another, and, and you're starting to see like a trend, and this is where the NFL's going. They like these long, lean corners. Uh, Kyrie Elam from Florida is just that, a guy that is very tall. He has very long limbs, uh, Has is great at man coverage, is a physical corner. Now, again, kind of like uh, Andrew Booth, at times he does get a little handsy too. Uh, so if he can kind of, if the if these prospects can get coached out of being so uh, hands on, then then it'll make them better in the long run. Uh, but Kair Elam is one of my go to guys. If you need a corner to start week one, definitely think about getting Kair Elam, especially if you run man to man. All right, here we go. And now on to your uh, top, your third here. But first, I'm going to get to Cody. Cody says not as big of a fan of Elam. I think he's good, but I personally don't have him in my top five. There you go. Excellent. Well, Cody, let us know where did he slide to? Is he, He's got to be in your top ten, uh, but then where, where is he in, in your top ten? All right, here we go. And then moving on to number three, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, and I'm going to be I'm going to be real honest about this is he could have been my number one corner overall had he stayed healthy. Because I feel like there's a lot of things that transpired with Derek Stanley Jr. in his career at LSU. You know, his first his his first real productive year, you know, where he kind of was like everybody was starting to he was the talk of the town. He was like, oh, my God, this guy is hands down the best corner in college right now. He's going to be amazing. Everybody was comparing him to like a Darrell Revis, for God's sakes. That's pretty high praise for a corner. Uh, but then, you know, two years ago. Big time injury, you know what I mean? Gets hurt, is in and is in out of the lineup. Didn't have is quite of a good year. Uh, then the following year, he loses his head coach. You know what I mean? Different different leadership there at LSU, and uh, and then he had that big time injury again. You know, had another injury to where it's costing him rounds. I don't know if he's going to get drafted in the first round, but a lot of people point to how. Well, where's his production? He had one year of phenomenal production, and then after that, didn't do squat. Looked late. Some people are saying, you know, he looked real lazy, and, and it's almost like he didn't care uh, anymore because of everything that was going on. But if you're getting Derek Stingley Jr. healthy, and he, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a slight that okay, yeah, you know, he didn't have it the best year, his second year there, his third year. Was, was done for injury. But the interesting thing about Stingley Jr. is I think it, after he comes back healthy, I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I th and that's dangerous for a prospect like this. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to prove every team wrong that doesn't take him, and he's going to prove every all the critics wrong. So 
He's going to work extremely hard, and I think he could definitely return back to form that was claiming him to be like a Darrell Rivas. And if that's the case, he would have been my number one had he stayed healthy throughout his career. But because of that injury, and, and we don't know how he's going to return from it just yet. So that you know, he that's why he ends up number three instead of a little higher. All right, Cody says Stingley is a strange prospect. Uh, his skills are top notch, but he hasn't played a lot in two years now. Could be a lockdown corner at the next level, right. but could also never live up to that potential. Like you talk about, if he continues his trend of injuries, and that's the thing. That's right on the board, bro. Right, right on, on the board. Thing. There you go. Uh, right on pace with each other here on this one. That's awesome. All right, all right. Now moving on to now we're at number two, Joe. So who will it be? Will it be a big shocker for these people out it here? It might too be as well. So. Might be a big shocker for some people. Trent two. McDuffie from Washington. Uh, when I watch Trent McDuffie play, he's probably the most solid prospect coming out. He is a guy that I would be very confident in drafting and making him my number one corner, hands down. It wouldn't even bother me at all. Uh, Trent McDuffie. Phenomenal at everything, like everything, zone, man, tackling, uh, being able to, to read and react to plays as, as a corner. Will come up and he's also physical. Will come up and, and put a thump on that running back trying to trying to turn the corner. So Trent McDuffie does everything really well, and I didn't notice too many weaknesses at all from Trent McDuffie. He's not my number one, and it got close. Let me tell you all, it got real close for me to make Trent McDuffie my number one corner because of how great he is at everything. But I have him at number two just because it's hard to mimic a guy like Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. A guy, and we talk about long-limbed corners. This is, guy, this is the epitome of long-limbed corners. This guy is not only really big, and we talked about a couple of guys like Zion McCallum and, uh, you know, Tariq Woolen and how their size. Well, Sauce Gardner has that size. He's 6'3", 6'4", range, very long, lean. Definitely, he's seen as the best man-to-man corner coming out. The only problem that I have with Sauce Gardner is change of direction. And that's kind of why I got real close to making McDuffie my number one corner is because what I noticed on the tape is whenever he goes up against a quick shifty receiver, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And if you're going against a guy like Hunter Renfro, who's very quick, very shifty, I think he's going to struggle against those type of wide receivers. Uh, If he's playing against like a Mike Evans or someone like that, I think he'll be just fine. But that kind of concerns me in the next level, those quick shifty receivers that he might have to play. You know, think about a guy on the outside like Devontae Adams, one of the best route runners, one of the be- best feet at wide re- with wide- at the wide receiver position. He's going to give this guy problems. So, guys that are really quick off the off the snap, really quick at changing directions, he will struggle against. But with coaching, I feel like with coaching and everything, he'll get better as he develops in the NFL. We'll be that number one corner for you. All right. Brandon says sauce to an ATL, and he's a big Atlanta Falcons Possible. Uh, fan here. So who knows? That that could be, yeah, with this first round. But draft, I, let me let me just say this. A lot of projections are saying that Sauce Gardner doesn't get past the Jets or the Giants. You know what I mean? Because it's possible the Giants could take Ahmad Sauce Gardner and then take an offensive lineman after that. 
Who knows? Who or knows? or, or vice versa or, or whatever. The Jets, too, big on trying to right. fix to that defense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Robert Sala, yep. that's his job, right? Make a better yeah, defense. Absolutely. Uh, but if Trent McDuffie happens to get to you, Brandon, for the Atlanta Falcons, that would also be a phenomenal pick mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There you go. So let's look at it again. Uh, right now, uh, Joe's top 10 quarter, uh, cornerbacks in the NFL uh, 2002 NFL draft. All right. So there it is. Joe, you know, it's funny because we're going to talk about our friends here at uh, Johnstone Supply. And and it's funny because our, our know-it-alls know us so well that they are bringing up, they the sponsors. up our sponsors by ourselves. <laughs> they are our, our spot, you know, talking about our sponsors for us. How great love is that? You know, Tom Leiter with amazing, Johnstone right? Supply. We've got uh, Mike Tackett with Mohawk Honda, and he's in Florida <laughs> even. So it's amazing. But tell us about our friends at Johnstone Supply. I guess we're doing our jobs, right? right? You I know, we're, so. we're, we're getting, getting the, the word out, out there. there. We're getting the message out they there. They may not be near you, but you guys know who they are. We do. Johnson Supply and Troy. Uh, listen, it's it's April. It's getting close to the end of the month of April right now, and the draft is right around the corner. It's never too early to start thinking about how to stay cool in the summer months. Call now for pre-summer pricing on John Goodman Central Air Conditioners, or if you're looking to go with the Fujitsu Mini Splits, they've got them too. I don't know what they are, but they got them. Uh, and if you're a homeowner that's mulling your options and want to get hooked up with a local contractor call john stone and they've got you covered that's right they'll help you out any questions that you have they'll help you out right there Mm -hmm. and just a reminder they also have the lowest milwaukee tools lowest prices on milwaukee tools guaranteed the best quality products at the unbeatable prices stop into sixth avenue in troy new york to learn more or call johnstone supply at 518-272-5922 that's 518-272 Five nine two two. They also have locations in Florida and out there somewhere in Seattle. Seattle, out there too, absolutely. So yeah, check them out. Uh, tell them that football on the nose sent you. And right. Talk to our guys there. Uh, Joe, the weather out here in New York has been crazy though. It just snowed what the other go- day though. So what yesterday. is going on? And, and it was, it's going to be sixty tomorrow. So we don't know what the hell is going on. It's Listen, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's like snowed? God's playing a you know with pinwheel. It's like what's the weather going to be today? And it's what it lands on, and there it is. It's like random. Yeah, it's messed up. It um, was nice. Then we had a then we had like a mini snowstorm. Was it four or five inches, yeah. something yeah, yeah. like that? So, so in the upper regions in the Adirondacks and stuff like that, dude, it was they even almost more. got a foot. Yeah, yeah it was crazy yeah. and knocking down trees, but amazing stuff. And then but we're John's going back supply, to warmer. Uh, they'll, they'll help you out whatever way you can, whether it be heating or cooling, whatever. They'll take care of you, Joe. You know, with some of these lists though, too, you, it was tar- hard for you to make these top tens here. So you do really have some tough. honorable mentions. So real quick, let's go through the honorable mentions for the cornerbacks here. Yeah, cornerbacks. I got one safety in here. I. Uh, Kalen Barnes from Baylor, very quick, small corner, uh, uh, very, very agile. Kyler Gordon from Washington, opposite uh, of Trent McDuffie. Uh, He got a lot of attention, but nobody's really talking about him. So, I mean, I don't think he's going under the radar, so to speak, but I feel like teams aren't bringing his name up on purpose, maybe, uh, because he could be a target for somebody. Obviously, he is, uh, but nonetheless... Maybe could be a sneaky pick for somebody. Uh, Smoke Monday, who is that safety I was speaking about from Auburn. I love his name. It's that simple. Smoke Monday, he's a very good athletic type of safety. And I feel like with further development, could develop into a starter. Uh, Marcus Jones from Houston, a very small corner. Like a guy like, picture 5'8 of a corner. Very small, very light in the 170 range for, for weight. 175, something like that. Um one of the best pure corners in this draft 
But because of his size, I don't know how you can utilize him. You know what I mean? And I hate to say that because I never say size matters, but it does in terms of, of, of the college football ranks. Uh, you know, and him going to the NFL, that's the problem is because I feel like when he's going to go up against these other receivers, they're going to be so much more physical than him. They're going to be able to push off of him, get a, get a you know break away from him type of deal. And tackling, what does that mean for tackling? Uh, big, big type of running back, a big running back or a big receiver, he might struggle in that area. So um, I have him there as well. And my last one, Cordell Flott from LSU. LSU. Uh, a guy that's not really getting talked about a lot, but a very solid cornerback prospect. Look for him to get his name called in the middle rounds. All right, that's right. So it is the NFL draft is coming up in just a few days. So we are looking at Joe DeCapita's 2022 NFL drop 10. Take two. His top 10 prospects lists. Something like that. All right, we're moving on. Top 10 linebackers. Linebacker, swipe it. <laughs> Number go. 10, Channing Tyndall from Georgia. Uh, and, and and just like I mentioned earlier, the Georgia prospects coming out, they were only asked to do like one particular thing for that, for that scheme. So a guy like Channing Tyndall, we don't really know what the finished prospect, pro, uh, prospect is going to look like. But man, when you look at a, line, uh, a linebacker that's full of athleticism, a, a guy that can run, you know what I mean, very fluidly, uh, but a guy that was seen more as a, a blitzer. They used him heavily in blitzes. Uh, don't get me wrong, got the job done. But what can, what else can he do? So there's some question marks out there for Tyndall. Is he, is he going to be able to cover? We don't know the, that answer because there's not enough uh, game tape on that. Uh, can he play zone? Can he play man? You know what I mean? Can he diagnose an offensive play, read and react? So there's a lot of question marks with him, but... Man, you cannot deny the athleticism and, and the size of this guy. So uh, maybe some team can work with him and develop him even further in that in the coverage area and see if they can make him a complete linebacker. All right, here, moving to your number nine in your Christian Harris from Alabama. Uh, this is a guy who some people really like this linebacker, so he'll be a little higher on lists, and then some people don't like him so much. He'll be a little lower. I feel like Christian Harris is more of a developmental prospect, much like Tyndall, where he's going to have to learn a little bit more uh, about the game of football, going to have to develop a little further, uh, and, and hopefully he could turn into a starter later on. All right. Moving right along to your number eight. Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma. This is a very, very fast linebacker prospect. He's got the prototypical size. He's a middle linebacker, and he can go sideline to sideline really easily is seen as one of the better man coverage linebackers out there and uh, not so much in zone, but maybe a team can definitely develop him and work him out and, and get him ready uh, to start at some point. Number seven, we got Quay Walker from Georgia, another Georgia prospect. That's right. You're going to see this happen a lot. Uh, but Quay Walker, I feel like is, is a little bit under the radar. Nobody's really talking about him, and everyone's kind of got, you know, they got question marks just like they do on Tyndall, but at the same point in time, I think Quay Walker has a lot more to offer. Uh, I, I saw a lot more tape of Quay Walker being asked to go into zone coverage or go into man coverage and do it well. 
I've seen him come up and make some great tackles. You know, so I feel like there's a lot more there to work with, and I, that's why I got him, I have him on a little higher on my list than some. Uh, but Quay Walker at number seven from Georgia, good prospect to develop. Damone Clark from LSU. This this kid right here, he's a very solid linebacker, and that's what you're getting already. He does need a little bit more development, but very solid in all aspects uh, uh, at linebacker. So I really like him from LSU. He's not being talked about a lot, but another guy, and you're going to see a lot of this, this talent all over the board. Some people are going to have these guys in weird mm. places, weird spots. That's why I'm kind of intrigued. Every single year I'm really interested to see how NFL teams have these guys because – some of them are really high because of scheme fit. Right. Some of them are really high because of what they like in, in that position. But, man, when you look at all 32 teams, if we were able to, like, look at the big boards for each 32 teams, I guarantee you it is so different from each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm always interested to see, where these guys land and, and how soon or how much later they get picked. Mm -hmm. Because Absolutely. we're doing these top ten lists, right? We're fans. Yeah. We love the draft. We, do, we try to do our due diligence, but to be fair – we don't have all the all the information that mm -hmm. these NFL guys and personnel have. So we're just kind of going off of YouTube videos and game tape and, and trying to make our best guess decisions. But yeah. um, it, it's it's fun to do, but at the same time, it's even more interesting to see where they end up getting picked right, on, on draft right. day. Right, because even, too, if you bring up your top ten list, this is where you think as, as far as ability and what they do, mm -hmm. where you kind of rank them. Mm -hmm. But not every team is going to have them. Like, right. all of a sudden, your number one isn't going to be the first one off the board right. always or where they go. Right. Again, when you said it depends on scheme and where they fit best for what that team, where their scouts evaluate that guy, too, as well. Yes. And and uh, needs at that point, too. Uh, we've, we've heard uh, teams like the Giants that they're not going to go for need. They're going about best available that's out there, too. So they're looking Good. at that <laughs> stuff right there. So. <laughs> Who knows where this this might be? Who who's there? If it is an, an, an offensive lineman or that defensive, uh, you know, edge rusher or, mm -hmm. or lineman, what, if it's the best guy right there, they're going to jump on it. So right. it, it, that could uh, just uh, go all over the place. And we've seen that in former drafts, like when we were talking and looking at um, the Andrew Thomas draft by the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of other talent out there, and now that we've seen, have been kind of better. Andrew Thomas had the best year of his of his of his career, I think, last season, mm -hmm. uh, but others have already hit that echelon way right. sooner so yeah that's what you see coming into play with a lot of these things exactly all right so moving on what are you number five or number six we You're are number, number five number four number five all right here we go uh and it is nakobe dean right yeah nakobe dean from georgia now i had originally before i even did list i was like in love with nakobe dean as far as far as a linebacker prospect i thought he was uh head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of, of the, the mental part of the game. A guy that could read a, read an offense extremely well and diagnose the play and execute. He is a really good linebacker. Don't get me wrong. He's very solid. He's very smart. But he's limited a little bit. Uh, he is he is a, a shorter linebacker. Not a lot of teams like that short linebacker uh, for their respective teams. But I don't think in, in, in this instance it should matter. Uh, very good player, does need a little bit more development. And when you when you look at it, what concerns me is the fact that he didn't run the 40 at the combine and didn't run the 40 at his pro day. So is he hiding something? It seems like it. 
Uh, how fast is N'Kobe Dean? Everybody wants to know that. Now, when you watch the tape, he seems to be all over the football field. He seems to be making the plays regardless, whether it's a running back trying to turn the corner or a tight end that just catches the ball and trying to run away from him. He seems to make all those plays. So I'm just curious. I really want to know how fast N'Kobe Dean is. Now, if I was able to know that, it would affect my my uh, my you know my list here because maybe if he's fast maybe if he runs a four five or a four six hell even if he ran a four seven it would help me gauge where he where he should belong all right uh cody says a little surprised to see dean on this uh this low uh, but uh, uh you do make some good points i had him at three yeah. in my list i believe yeah. i'd look uh but i uh don't want to miss anything nice uh, excellent yeah yeah so there you go and that, uh, and that's the problem for me is like i i just i i loved what i saw on tape it's just that is where I, I i wanted some confirmation i wanted to just check that box and say okay dean runs this even if it was a four seven for crying out loud it would help me give him you know place him a little bit better than than that five right like, right right it's, it's almost like you said if you're not going to do it what are you maybe you're hiding that you don't want to hurt your draft stock right, right now like you want your draft stock to be right. what it is now right not get any and worse or something and you know if I mean? it is propelling it right better. if they if he expected or his agent or whoever expected him to run a poor 40 time mm -hmm. then this is a smart play mm -hmm. not gonna run the 40 at all we're gonna keep you guessing just watch my tape and draft me based off that mm -hmm. so uh if that's the case fine but I would say even if he ran a four seven in my book, I would still have him probably at at, at number four, maybe number three, mm -hmm. like Cody does. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's over that, like if it's going to be really different, like four eight, four nine, that would really concern me. Mm -hmm. uh, he would definitely be lower then. So, but by far, if you're looking at just the tape, Nakobe Dean is a phenomenal linebacker. There you go. Now moving on to Troy Anderson. Four. Montana State, baby. Not a lot of people are giving this guy enough credit. I know he comes from Montana State, but damn, he can play linebacker. Uh, Troy Anderson, very fast linebacker. Diagnoses plays, read and reacts, tackles like a he's just a maniac on the football field. Uh, is great at coverage, and even though he's coming from a small school, I know that whole argument, oh, he didn't play high competition. It, listen, he dominated in his conference, so that's good enough in my book. Troy Anderson is at number four, Montana State. Go get him. He'll be a week one starter. Boom, there you go. All right, number three. Chad Muma from Wyoming, another guy who his name is out there, but, man, he could he, he is very, very good. He's a former safety who converted to linebacker, and since he's done so, he's phenomenal at man coverage, obviously with that athleticism, very fast, Side on the sideline, great tackler, is a very smart player, and Chad Muma is phenomenal. You know, like man-to-man -man coverage, uh, so I really like him as a prospect. I think he needs to further develop his game in the running uh, run defense. That's kind of where his weakness is, is run defense. So if he can get better at that and shedding blocks, he's going to be a difference maker. All right, here we're getting close to your number one. What do you got here, number two? My number two guy, Leo Chanel from what Wisconsin. He could have easily been my number one. I'll just say that right now. So I would say 1A, 1B in, in, in this uh, top 10 list. But Leo Chanel, phenomenal tape. Guy is amazing against the run. Very, very fast. He's got great size at linebacker. Phenomenal tackler. Read and reacts well. 
Uh, the only thing that about his game is that I feel like he's going to need to work a little bit more on his coverage zone and man a little bit more and get further developed there. But what a great prospect. All right. Now he's us two, our number one. Devin Boom. Lloyd. Devin Lloyd. Uh, the consensus number one linebacker, Devin Lloyd from Utah. Listen, a lot of people kind of expected him. When you watch the tape, you're like, man, he's all over the football. He's 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 making all these plays. He's he picks the ball off right at the right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, very athletic, phenomenal type of linebacker. Does is everything extremely well, but he's not the fastest linebacker. So unlike Leo Chanel, where he's extremely fast, is great against the run, but needs to work on coverage. Devin Lloyd doesn't need to work on anything. He's great against the run. He's great in coverage, but he's not super fast. So. Uh, but still, he does everything extremely well. So that I have him as my uh, number one linebacker. All right. What does Cody have to say? Cody, Cody says, I love Muma. I love Muma. It's like that, you know, with the Wakanda <laughs> ch- chance when they're in, you know, what was it? Uh, <laughs> Infinity War. You're like, ah, oh, Muma. All right, here you go. At the next level, you can teach a lot, but uh, you can't teach instincts. He led the uh, FBS in tackles last season, and anyone who knows me knows I love a linebacker who flies all over the field, similar to how Blake Martina was was in almost uh, his all of his seasons with the Packers. Um, there you go. Well, we learned something new. If I didn't know this about Cody, I love Muma loves, too. He loves linebackers that fly all over the field. There you go. <laughs> I love Muma too, but but for me, the only problem I had with him is is him against the run. So he needs to definitely work on that. But if he does, if he like, and that's the thing, Cody, is if he does get better at at you know playing the run and shedding blocks, he could easily be right up there in that number one, number two conversation. Easy. All right, here, let's take a look one last time here at Joe's uh, top 10 linebackers here. And then also in the, in this uh, segment, too, he, he has his uh, honorable mentions honorable for linebackers, mentions. too, that didn't make the cup or just almost good enough here to do it. But here you go. Here's his honorable mentions. I'm going to be honest. that th- This uh, defensive p- uh, grouping here was very difficult to, to make a top 10 for. But Malcolm Rodriguez uh, from Oklahoma State, an, uh, uh, another linebacker that's kind of not your prototypical size, but man, a, a, a guy that uh, is fast, sideline assigning type of linebacker, a guy good in coverage, uh, but still needs further development. Uh, Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, uh, linebacker who is act, definitely has a size. He's like 6'4, 255 pounds, a big time middle linebacker, uh, but needs a lot more development in his game. Jojo Doman. Uh, might surprise some people when he does get drafted from Nebraska. Uh, he's a solid prospect, but again, a lot of these guys are still going to need a little bit more development. Uh, Boye Mo- uh, Mo- Mafe, I was supposed to say. Boye Mafe uh, from Minnesota. Um, he was seen as one of these pass rushing prospects, like defensive end slash outside linebacker. He has pass rushing technique, but in order for him to go up to the next level, I don't think he can play D end. He could maybe play 3-4 edge. Uh, I don't think he can play 4-3 outside linebacker. It's possible, but he definitely needs to further develop his coverage skills in order to do so. And uh, last but not least, uh, Balen Spector from Clemson. Uh, Another really good prospect to further develop. Could be a a starter at some point uh, down the road. All right, here, moving on now to your final list here. The one that I think a lot of people are intrigued to see because you moved... Um, not only because there's a lot of edge rushers people are talking about that are you know the 
top guys. Mm. There's a lot of debate yeah. amongst that. But you yeah. mixed the linemen along with the edge rushers here on yeah. top of this one. So this list, I think, is going to be especially like, intriguing. Yeah. But then also the honorable mentions, the guys that are going to be left out right. are going to be pretty, they're pretty I think good. There might be some people with debate on some of them. <laughs> yeah, too they're as pretty well. good for, for sure. But linebackers, they did the same way because you got your middle and you got your outside. And then sometimes you got linebackers that are like kind of like tweeners. So they're, they're going to fit into more of like that 3 4 edge. Mm -hmm. uh, type of defensive scheme so it'll be interesting to say the least all right here so let's get to it joe looking at your number one a uh, number uh <laughs> number one number 10 what is uh, cody says i'm super curious to see where, where jordan, jordan davis, davis is, is ranked. ranked with the big talent at the edge position yeah. all right well here we go we're cracking it down it's number 10 joe we'll give it to him demarvin leal from texas a&m uh this was a a player that was seen as one of these he was in that, that argument of being maybe number one at D-tackle or maybe number two. Uh, but DeMarvin Leal is still a really solid prospect out there. He does – he plays good against the run, plays has good pass rush moves, has a good pass rush. But the only problem with DeMarvin Leal is that a lot of people now are starting to look at him and as a more like a balanced type of def, uh, defensive tackle. Doesn't do anything extremely well. Like, doesn't j jump off the page at pass rushing or or plays, you know, just crazy run defense. Uh, but he's more of a bounce D tackle. So a team that gets him is going to get a guy that's very solid in both aspects of the game. Is going to be definitely a three-down player, uh, whoever ends up drafting him. All right, here, going into your number ninth here. Here we go, nine. George Karloftis, uh, one of my favorite players in this draft, uh, a guy that – has only really played one year of, of college uh, ball. He came over from Greece. You know, his whole family moved from Greece and got introduced to the American football sport uh, that we all love. And he kind of, he himself just fell in love with it and started to make a name for himself, cracked the starting lineup, had a tremendous season uh, at defensive nice. end. A guy that has extremely, and I mean, you look at him, you're like, oh, is he that? Is he strong enough? No, he's extremely strong. He's, like, got Greek god strength, for for crying out loud. Um, has good pass rush moves, not great, but he that can be coached up. That can be worked on. Uh, is, is fast to turn the corner. Uh, a guy that, if you're looking to bring in on a rotational, uh, you know, type of, of uh, uh, a pass rusher that you can rotate into your defense and also further and, and develop him even uh, you know, greater, he could be another. He could be an amazing prospect for a, for a team. I will massacre you. There you go. That's it could happen. <laughs> He's going to massacre quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here you go. Now, number eight on the list, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. Now, this is he's a raw athlete. Don't get me wrong, but he he's kind of like this like this tweener. He's one of those kind of tweeners where. Some people are going to view him as a defensive end. Some people are going to view him as a as an outside 3-4 linebacker or maybe even just an outside linebacker because he is so fast for his size. He is tremendously athletic. Now, Penn State used him a lot on just rushing the quarterback. Not a ton in pass coverage, but the little bit of tape that I saw from him, I liked what I saw, and that's why he ends up number eight here. Uh, definitely needs to be further developed, but... He is a solid prospect, none the least. All right. Cody says, I'm a big fan of Carl, uh, Carl Offit. Yeah, that's what it is. Right? Carl Offit. I keep screwing it up. All right. Uh, now, 
I know it's early to say, but he gives me some J.J. Watt vibes and his natural ability to make an impact in both the run and the pass. It's possible, but then again, um, he's a, he's one of those guys that just needs to be further developed. Like, he's not going to be J.J. Watt right now, and I don't know if he'll ever be a J.J. Watt, to be honest, but he'll be a really, really solid player. All right, now we're looking at your uh, number seven here, Joe. Devontae Wyatt, uh, D-tackle from Georgia. Yes, the counterpart to Jordan Davis. Uh, Devontae Wyatt at number seven. I really like his his get-off from the snap. He's super quick, super agile for his size. He's like 320 or so. But, man, uh, is is very has great pass rush moves. He's a guy that can do a lot for you at that D-tackle position. He can play the run. He can pass rush. So he, he's a good prospect to, to draft, and you could he could be your day one starter uh, if you're desperate at D-tackle. All right, here we're getting closer to that top five. We here, are getting here we closer. It's number six here. I don't see Jordan Davis yet, Not so yet. that's good for Cody, I guess. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Now, Jermaine Johnson, again, is one of these guys that he can definitely put his hand in the dirt and play DN in the 4-3 defense. He could even stand up in a 3-4 uh, edge linebacking position and rush off the edge there's a lot that he can do very athletic very gifted had 14 sacks in his final season at florida state amazing production uh for jermaine johnson he actually was a transfer uh he wasn't originally with florida state he transferred and and, and made a big splash this past season so a guy that wasn't getting utilized ends up going to florida state and making a name for himself jermaine johnson i really like him as as a d end I, I don't know. I mean, you can use him as a 3-4 edge, but never as a linebacker, straight-up linebacker. So, uh, Jermaine Johnson, listen, edge rushers are going to get pushed up in this draft. We all know it. That's something that we like to see. Better edge rushers getting after that quarterback, creating that pressure. Jermaine Johnson might even go higher than expected. All right, here Cody says about Wyatt when he talked about uh, Devontae Wyatt here at number seven. Wyatt's effort level and motor is crazy. Mm -hmm. The kind of guy that just goes 150% until the whistle every play. And that's big for a lot of these uh, teams, too, that need somebody like that. Yeah. We, we've seen guys that are just give it all out there, you know, for every single play, you know, until right. they're even gassed. I mean, even uh, JPP, when he had that athleticism, he just ran strictly on athleticism. It wasn't Crazy. even just, you know, football knowledge here and there. Right. He got into the game kind of late for him, like yes. until high school. And so yep. he got noticed, was an athlete, jumped into football. Yep. And he's one of those guys that could rush the passer, but then all of a sudden you see him turn around and go and make the tackle after the play had already gone yeah, by insane, him. Yeah, insane, insane. So he's, he's turned around and made that play, too, to get that tackle. So stuff like that, you want to see guys work 110, or 110 150 and that, and, and that's that. the thing, too, Cody, about, about guys like Wyatt. You can just tell by watching the tape that he just absolutely adore, adores and loves football. He loves the game. He loves to play it. And those are the guys that I want on my football team. I mean, I'll take a guy like that that absolutely loves football and is willing to put the work in right over a guy that may be a high-profile high name. But eh, we're, we got questions of his work ethic. We got questions of him if he really loves football. Mm -hmm. I'm happy when I'm playing. There you go. And now we're into your top Cracking five. Cracking the top five here. Cracking the top five. Here we go. Number Travis five. Travis Jones from Connecticut, uh, a.k.a. UConn. Uh, but Travis Jones, uh, a D-tackle coming out in this year's draft where – his stock is going is just flying up boards right now, and and there's a reason for it. Travis Jones is a very athletic D tackle 
who just attacks the pocket. He creates pressure every single snap. He's a great against the run. He's great at pass rushing, kind of like Wyatt with a nonstop motor. I like Wyatt and Jones. They're pretty close to each other. But Travis Jones, I like his size right now. Um, and that's why he kind of got the edge for me. But Travis Jones from UConn, kind of a prospect that's kind of going under the radar into the draft, but not on some teams' boards. They really like him as well. He's at five. All right, here, number four. Number four. Cody's been waiting for this. Jordan you Davis just made the list. from Georgia. He is number four. And, and here's what I'll say about Jordan Davis. Phenomenal athlete for a guy his size. 350, 360. Guy's like gigantic, uh, you know, a gigantic human being. His game tape shows a very disruptive D tackle, right? We all we've all seen that part of, of his game. Great against that the run. Correct. Not phenomenal at, at uh, getting a pass rush though. He does get double teamed a lot and he fights through it pretty well. But you don't see a whole lot of sacks from him. And and not to say that he's any less of a prospect. He's a great prospect to have. A guy that large that can move around like that, who is that fast, that quick, that agile. But the problem for me and the reason why he's not higher on this list is his size. Not Guys that are usually 350 and up that get drafted typically don't amount to much of anything in the NFL because when you're on that football field for a long amount of time, I question his conditioning because if you watch these Georgia games, a lot of times on third downs, he's out of there. He's taking a break. He comes in a few plays later. Then he comes back out again. So to me, I kind of question his conditioning. I don't know. He's definitely got to get that better so he can be a three-down player. Uh, but I'm kind of concerned about his conditioning going forward uh, and whether he'll be able to stay on the football field long enough to make a big, huge impact. Reality is often disappointing. There you go. And Cody has a comment for that here, too. He says about about where I would have put him. He says, I liked, I like him a lot, but putting him ahead of Walker, Thibodeau, and Hutchinson uh, would have been pretty crazy. Okay. And there's go. a reason for that, too, because you talk about those players right there, regardless of, of what's going to transpire next. Mm. Um, those three players are all edge rushers. And that's that's if you get a if you get a very good edge rusher, you're going to take them over D tackles all day long. I don't care how special Jordan Davis is. Maybe my criticisms of Davis of his conditioning is wrong. Maybe it's false. We don't know that yet until we see like training camp and, and get and, and see preseason games, like how long he stays out there. Uh, we don't know that part. But the part that we do know for a fact is that edge rushers get pushed over D tackles quite often because they are that more impactful in games. So that's why he's at number four for me. Number three. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to be tough. Now, where do you think some of these guys are going to go? I know Cody has ranked some of these guys higher. Is he, yeah. is he surprised where, where you know, Hutchinson might be, Thibodeau, Walker? He might be. It's these top He's, three right he's here, probably going to be. So let's see. All right, here it is. Number three. Kayvon Thibodeau. And to be honest with you, Kayvon Thibodeau is a phenomenal prospect. I'm not trying to slight him in any, any way. That's why he's at three. But Kayvon Thibodeau. Amazing pass rusher, amazing get off. Like he can literally just beat you with his legs and his size to get around, much like a Jason Pierre-Paul in a sense. He's got that kind of body where he's kind of got long limbs. He's very athletic, long, uh, tall type of type of player. Definitely going to make an impact for somebody. 
But the problem is, is that he has question marks coming into this draft. And that's got to be concerning to some teams. What kind of a football player are you getting? And we brought this up earlier. Are you getting a football player that loves football, that really wants to put the work in, wants to be the best, wants to be there for his team? That's what I kind of wonder. I don't know. I don't know about his work ethic. Is it really strong? Is it just a mirage that people are just saying and criticizing him? Like, is he going to be your day one guy and he's going to be there all the time and give 110% every single play? That's Stop where the question marks are. Up. And we don't know if and those questions will won't be answered until somebody drafts him and gives him a shot. Mm-hmm. Listen, we you, you, you look at a guy like uh, Jadavian Clowney. Number one overall pick, right? People questioned his work ethic in the in the draft, mm-hmm. and they questioned it even after he got drafted. Like, is he going to be able to? I don't think he has work ethic, and I think, and that's why I make that comparison. I feel like he's another Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's a very he's a flash in the pan. Like everything is great. Like his athleticism, his speed, his pass rushing skills, it's all great. But when you get on the football field, do you do you have that tenacity do you have that heart that you need to work hard and and be there every play and give it your all every single play that's where the question marks lie mm-hmm, absolutely i think cody's on board with you here too uh he says thibodeau doesn't have the drive he's not surprised his potential is through the roof mm-hmm. but his last season concerned me a bit i get everyone was saying that he was going to be the number one but his effort level dipped a lot uh, not enough heart, uh, Brandon uh, says too. As well. make your dreams come true. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll follow up on Cody's point. It's we both agree, but I I kind of I'm also questioning like because of him putting the work in early on mm-hmm. and creating that all that resume for uh, for three years, mm-hmm. and then his last year, I wonder if he took the the you know the foot off the pedal and mm-hmm. said I got it made. Everyone's talking about me. I think I'll probably be number one overall. I don't have to work as hard. Right. And that's right there is what kind of falls in line with our criticism Mm -hmm. about him is if that's the case. So what does that mean when you get your contract? Once you get your contract, you're going to take it easy. Yeah, no, you got to work harder, bro. You work hard, you get that extension or whatever you end up doing, and then all of a sudden you get it, and then, yeah, where were you? Where did you go? Yeah, I hear you. And that's the one thing that these guys are going to have to try and figure out here, and we'll see draft day. If if uh, teams are on the same level of, of us, yeah. you know, if they see that same thing and if right. they maybe avoid that, you know what I mean? Or and they Kate, fall right into it. And Right. And don't get me wrong. Me and Cody are both seeing eye to eye on this, on this prospect. Like, Thibodeau, ceiling is tremendous. It is tremendous. He, he could be the next greatest pass rusher or he could be the greatest disappointment. Right. And, and, and what might be shocking is that he might fall – farther than than we anticipate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he it's it's possible he could go maybe he doesn't get picked in the top two or three mm-hmm. maybe he gets picked with the five six seven maybe ninth pick who knows right right but who knows it, well we've also seen Jadavion Clowney go first overall in the yeah. NFL draft before things like that so yep. we'll we'll see we'll see we can't we can't wait for draft day it's gonna be exciting but here we go Joe here it is down to All one right, let's and go, two let's who's go, it let's gonna go. be that's it, Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Uh, I had to make it, it silent. Here's the thing. <laughs> give the silence out there. We'll give everybody the hiccup. Trayvon Walker from Georgia. The reason why I have him ahead of of Kevon Thibodeau is not because I don't think, or not because I think he's better than Kevon Thibodeau now, but I think Trayvon Walker 
has the possibility to be better than him down the road. Uh, great kid. You don't have question marks with his work ethic. Super, super great. Very versatile. And that's the thing that I'll say about Walker that I like a lot is his versatility. Now, when you watch the Georgia tape, he was only asked. He had his hand on the ground at times. He rushed off the edge at times, standing up as a linebacker. Very versatile type of player. He even dropped back in zone coverage at times and made a couple of, you know, deflection plays, you know, uh, but which was really nice to see. So, but we only saw small glimpses of that. Now, what Georgia asked of Trayvon Walker is not to pass rush. So we don't really know how good of a pass rusher he could be uh, because he wasn't asked to do that. He was asked to contain and only contain. You know what I mean? With, with all these, you know, athletes across the board on the D-line, in the linebacking core, and beyond, they were asked to do specific things. And Trayvon Walker, we that's why the criticism about him is like, can he even pass rush? We don't even know. I didn't see enough pass rushing tape. No, because Georgia asked him to just contain and hold the line. So the jury's still out on him in his pass rushing moves. I think when you got it, when you got an athlete that is freaking tall as hell, like 6'5", and is 275 pounds, but runs a 4'440", are you kidding me? There's so much that you can do with him. You can play him at linebacker. You can play him on the DN, you know, at the end. So you can move him around like a chess piece, and, and whatever defense that, that, that does take him, they're going to be very happy because they can they can literally mold him into the player that they want him to be, and he'll fit and he'll play extremely well. So, um, I think I, I still am curious to see what he can do pass rushing wise because he wasn't asked to do a lot of it at Georgia, and if he further develops um, as a, as a linebacker, even in coverage, because he has the speed to stay with him, and with his large size and long limbs, Jesus Christ. I mean, you could have yourself a what one hell of a football player. All right, so we'll see what happens with that. Cody says, my real issue with Walker is just the lack of uh, stats. He can do everything you want, but there's always that concern that if uh, he couldn't completely dominate in college, will he become that elite player that dominates at the next level? And that's the problem. That's what I'm saying. At Georgia, he wasn't asked to have stats. He was asked to be that athletic guy to hold the edge, not to go after the quarterback. Just hold that line. Hold that line. We're sending Tyndall up the middle. You know what I mean? So he was asked to not be productive in a sense. Yes, he was productive in terms of tackles. He was able to, get to uh, you know, have decent coverage in zone. But he was not asked to rush that quarterback. So the jury is still out on him. He starts to come and then he pulls out. But let me tell you what. This is a guy that you can mold into whatever you want him to be, and he could be a very special player for the next 10 years. All right, here, Cody says, uh, don't get me wrong, I do love Walker, but have confidence that he will be a monster at the next level. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yep, there you go. All right, so there, that number leads one. us to Come our on. number one, which Everybody's is no got to guess this by this now. One. Everybody knows this one here. I didn't, you know what? I was so excited I put him in there. I didn't even put what at school he goes to, school. but we already know, but because I know, too. Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Michigan fan, so... I got so excited, I just put his name in without it. So Aiden, so Aiden Hutchinson to me, and I hate this term, but a lot of people are using it right now. They're saying he's the safest pick in the draft. I hate that that term, but what I will say, he's he's probably the best pass rushing uh, prospect in this draft. Uh, a guy who can really turn that corner quickly. 
He's very strong, has great pass rush moves. When you look at him, he he kind of remind, reminds you like a, a Bosa brother, you know, like a Nick Bosa, like a Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa's longer limbed and everything, but I would compare more of Nick Bosa. Uh, and that's kind of what you're what you're getting in, in Aiden Hutchinson, a guy who's very solid in all aspects of the game, can play the run, can rush the passer. We all know that by now. Uh, but a very gifted player and a player that absolutely loves football. He lives, breathes, sleeps, eats football. Uh, willing to put in the work and more. And I, you're going to get yourself a blockbuster player, whoever takes him. There you go. So once again, here's the top ten list here. Aiden Hutchinson at the top of it. Like, I don't think a lot of people were very surprised, Not surprised. on that one there. So there it is. And There uh, you have it. And you know what's funny about Aiden Hutchinson, too? For me, too, it's like, because, you know, I watch a lot of Michigan stuff, and even their wrestlers. Like, you see those north kind of uh, northwestern type of guys, big, solid, and that's what yeah. he kind of embodies here. I've seen a lot yep. of their wrestlers being that type of guy, too. He just looks like a Michigan guy, you right. know? And, and that's what he fits that and you know, really And you know what? There's a team that picks, you know, kind of high. You know, number two, mm -hmm. Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Detroit, Michigan. You know, yeah. that, that would be a nice homecoming. Yeah, it could be. Uh, if, if he's there, because you still got to wait to see what Jacksonville does. Mm -hmm. But let's just say, for example, let's just say that Jacksonville goes all offensive oh, tackle. Yeah, yeah. And he's sitting there at number two for Detroit. Now, Detroit is, listen, they don't have Trey Flowers anymore. Mm -hmm. So... And they still got to build, so you take the best available. That's Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. That that's a hometown kid mm -hmm. that's going to come in and and put fear in an opposing quarterback. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a shoe in if it gets to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, that's the question too. That's the thing we're going to look at on uh, the draft night in uh, the 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 Jaguars. They're going to paint the picture right there, first stroke of this whole draft and how it's going to play out because again a lot of people see hutchinson going to the to the jaguars some people have but there, yeah. also maybe not so then where is it going to fall these guys fall into play who's going to snag who are they going to go offensive line or are right. they going to trade back let's see uh cody says will hutchinson he's got a good question here right here will hutchinson make <laughs> as big of an impact day one as chase young uh do you think absolutely hands down like i think he's that dominating of a player i think he's going to come in He's going to definitely command protection. People are going to have to be aware of Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I know there's going to be teams early on that are just going to be like, let's see what our tackle can do against him. Leave him, leave him by himself. Let, let, let him block him. But I think that's going to be a mistake really, really quickly. So really early uh, in, you know, in the beginning of the season. And then teams are going to adjust. I'm like, wait, put a tight end over there. Mm -hmm. Put a chip a running back off his edge. You know what I mean? Let's just put two linemen over there. That, that'll be better. Yeah. Uh, so... But, yeah, I do think he's going to be have that much of an impact. I think he's going to be that type of player, which is why I have him being picked so high. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, yes. Jim uh, just told, just said that they're the wild card right now because they could go anywhere. Mm -hmm. the, they're not going to be as transparent I, as the last I understand. <laughs> I understand uh, they are picking one uh, overall. So, yeah, okay, obviously they can go in any direction. Yeah, we get that. But the smartest pick is not taking an edge rusher. Because you just drafted Trevor Lawrence, you need to revamp that offensive line. And what better way is to take one of these great offensive tackles mm -hmm. at number one overall. That's what I think they should do. Mm -hmm. Just going to leave it out there. Let it marinate. But if you want to hear more about the first round and mine and Jim's picks, that's going to be happening next week mm -hmm. right before draft night. 
uh, Wednesday night. It's going to be the day before the draft actually hits. We're going to give you our first round mock draft. We've done this what? I think we only did it one other year. Yeah, I think we just. Did I think it we just last started doing year, it. I think yeah, last like year. That. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to give you our first round mock draft. We did pretty good, I thought. Next too. week, and we hit on a few, yeah, quite yeah. a few actually, yeah, like maybe think, seven. Did we do shots when we got them right, or when we got no, them no, no, we got, we got them wrong. When is we got it, them wrong, we got, is that when we so did shots? So I got lit. I got a little really because I tipsy. thought we they were doing pretty well. I think, and yeah, and then 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 it started, it started to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's 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 just put it out there right now, okay? When we're watching the draft, do we want to drink shots for when we get them right, as in celebration, or we can't do it? No, no, we, never mind. We can't uh, yeah, do it the yeah, other yeah. way because if we'll we see. get too many wrong, we're yeah, gonna let's be get so if we up. get them right. Because I think a lot of people get them wrong. So yeah, yeah we got them if we got them right. See, we would have died if the, the other way. That's what I mean. Uh, but we still did no, like we did seven well. or eight shots. I thought like, I thought we did like fairly well. I think we had at least yeah. you know. And some of them, it too, yeah, we tried 10. to decide on whether that team got them. Because the Patriots, we saw Mac Jones go to the <laughs> Patriots, and they didn't get him in that position, but they still went to the Patriots back yeah. in, like, 20th or wherever. They but came. that doesn't count. It's I about it where he gets picked. I guess. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. Actually, no, with, we oh, no, we didn't. We had him third yeah, overall yeah. with the Niners, which the Niners missed out on that. All right, so, Joe, before we <laughs> wrap it up here, too, let's just take a look at your uh, honorable mentions for the defensive line quick here, too, and just take a look at the guys that just missed the cut. That's offensive line. Oh, whoops. Oh, sorry. Maybe I didn't put one on there. You didn't make one then, did you? I did. You did? Yeah. I don't know where the hell I put it then. Sorry. <laughs> you guys don't get it. I think it was only two people, though, so never mind. You don't need to see it. It was five. But, <laughs> uh, whatever, then. All right. So, uh, yeah, like Joe said, Next Wednesday, it's the show before the draft. It's going to be a lot of First fun. First run mock draft. We're, we're going to have all kinds of other stuff for you guys. More stuff to talk about. Maybe something happens with the Debo thing. Maybe some of the other guys uh, we won't know. But uh, make sure either way, if you guys have Also, yet, real quick, I just yeah. want to say this too. A lot of people out there, listen, Stefan Gilmore just got signed to the mm -hmm. Colts, everybody. Uh, I know that's something that kind of no one's really talking about, mm -hmm. but that's a big deal. Uh, for Gilmore to go over to Colts, that's really going to help out that defense, and that defense already is really good. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how how the Colts end up. Uh, and on top of that, uh, there's a couple, there's quite a few really really good big name free agents out there that I feel like teams are not going to sign them just yet. They're going to wait till after the draft and reassess what they need mm -hmm. uh, because in the draft, there, listen, there's a lot mm -hmm. of receiving talent. So if you need a receiver, you're in good hands. It's like all state. Yeah, you know what I, like I mean, it. just just go ahead and and uh, and wait for your opportunity to strike, uh, and and just like a lot of these prospects too, like D linemen, really super deep. Linebackers are deep ish. I don't know how deep you would consider them. They're not like the receivers. They're not like the D linemen. Uh, but cornerbacks are really deep. So if you need cornerback help, this is the draft to do it. Uh, offensive line, another deep uh, position, which. I know a lot of teams are in need of right now. And then uh, quarterbacks, obviously not so much. Running backs are de definitely really deep as well. Uh, so, and tight ends. Tight ends, I, I feel like, is really deep uh, too. So if you need a tight end, this is the draft to draft one as well. Uh, but all in all, this listen, we're going to have a boatload of fun come draft night. Uh, I'd we're gonna we're we're gonna meet up somewhere. Is that what we're gonna do? Yeah, we're gonna meet up somewhere. We're gonna meet up at Katie O'Burns. Katie O'Burns. I'm gonna be there a little later because again, yeah, like I said, uh, uh, conflicting times with my wife yeah. and her job. But no, I get that. I will meet up with you guys there. 
Uh, we're going to watch it there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Listen, guys, yeah, if you if you want to get out and you want to go out and watch the draft, it is really fun. Go to Katie O'Burns in Schenectady if you're in the local area in the capital region. Uh, that's where we'll be. Come stop by. Say hello to us. Listen, we're going to chat up the draft the whole time we're there. We're going to have some drinks, have some great food at KDO Burns, and uh, watch the draft. Let's see what, what kind of surprises. Listen, we already know that that's going to happen, right? There's going to be at least one big-time surprise, whether it be a pick too early in our eyes or a pick later or why is this guy sliding or a trade that happens to happen. It's going to be really exciting. It's always a blast. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Join us next week from 8 till 10 Wednesday night for more Football on the Know with Jim and Joe.